Good morning and a happy day to you folks. Today has all the makings of a fabulous day and here's an idea to make it even more fantastic and fabulous too. Fantabulous even. Today, let's try not to make an assumption. So often we replace assumptions with facts and they become our truths. Making assumptions is just asking for problems in your life misunderstandings, wasted energy, personal tax, and drama, drama, drama. So today, let's focus on having the courage to ask questions and not make assumptions. Communicate with one another because today is the day to express what you want. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We are part of the Crude Life Morning Show. We're adding more members every single day, it seems like. It was, we got, we're still important, though, right? No. No? Okay. Never were. All right. Our guests are yeah. important. I'm just a rung to be stepped on as you rise the ladder. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Love that word. <laughs> Folks, how are you doing today? That is Sterling. My name is Jason Spies. And like I said, we are the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. And we're going to be making our way down to Texas here very shortly. But we are in North Dakota today where it's been raining all day. Had an interview with somebody in Alberta. Is it Calgary, Alberta, Canada? I believe so, Is that yeah. how that works? Calgary, Alberta, I, I am Canada? really bad on my Canadian geography. Fargo, North Dakota, yeah. United States. Like, apparently there's a place called Quebec. Going to be heading to Midland, Texas, United States. Now, that's down south. Boy, that would get really annoying to keep saying that, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. To having to say the country afterwards. Yeah. But and, like, use the country code. What I just did about Canada, right? Yeah. Well, it is a different country. It was snowing there. Yeah, a little bit of snow. Now, you know, not stick around snow. But still snow. Yeah, and so I told him, I said, you know, every year there's always somebody who says, you know, June 1st, I remember snow. Oh, yeah. Didn't stick around, but, you know, Mother's <laughs> Day, of course, snow, very common. Freezing rain. I remember more freezing rain fishing openers in Mother's Days than any other weather on those days. Wow. True. True story. First year I lived in Reno, Nevada, would have been 94, 95. We got a little snow shower on July 4th. No kidding. Mountains, though. Yeah, and it's actually snowing there right now in in Reno, one of my friends was telling me. Just not sticking, but snowing, you know? Still, that's where we're at. Well, even up here, man, you, you always figure there might be one last big storm in play, but hoping not. So we've been having quite a busy week. You know, we got back from the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference trying to get those uh, interviews up as soon as we can. And I hate to tell you folks, but it's just, it's not real time magic. So <laughs> and we're not even adding a lot of fancy elements to it, but you know, we bring in three different microphones. Then yeah. we got to mix those together and make sure they're synced up. And, and on a couple of them, uh, the, my, my microphone didn't come with. Oh yeah. The audio. Oh, so you just you just kind of just a bunch of me for an hour. No, not, no, you're not there. Remember? Oh, no, it's just Sean Forbes and guest. 
No, that probably works better, actually. It did, actually. So you just kind of hear me in the background. Just murmuring. I'm That's kinda, the sound guy. Don't pay any attention I'm like to him. the dad and mom from Charlie Brown. I'm like the teacher from Charlie Brown. You, just, you hear that in the background. And so anyway, I got to take a look at that. As, Telephone. If I sound like that or if actually there were some technical things. I have so. had, uh, I remember doing some uh, um, interviews with World War II veterans for a historical group and uh, got through like three or four really good interviews and realized that my audio was absolutely just garbage. No way to salvage it. <sighs> so we do it all over again. Well, you know, we did over 20 interviews. I think we did close to 30 interviews, actually, yeah. between Jenica, Sean Forbes, and myself. And I think all but three got okay. Okay, good. And, you know, the other ones were, we're trying to figure out if it's us, if it did happen. You know, we're still in troubleshoot mode. Okay. It wasn't Sean cutting the line there. And so we just look at it and, and, and like, I call that a victory. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I've had, like you, you know, when, you, when you've worked in the audio video world long enough, mm-hmm. you, I've even had these happen. This has happened three times in my career. So bizarre. Happened to Tom Shepstone, regular guest here. Yeah. 45-minute interview with Tom oh. Shepstone. Natural gas now. It's, he's not like it's not like he's busy, right? You know, it's not like he doesn't have better things yeah. to do than and waste. You just you just got all of his stuff. It's not like he's going to sit there and go, okay, what did I say? Let's and do it again. you know, I mean, trust me, if I was if I was up in his neck of the woods, we'd get together, have a cup of coffee, or a, you know, a glass of Chardonnay or something like that, or Merlot, and spend three hours. <laughs> Chewing the fat a little yeah. bit, but not during work time we wouldn't. Yeah. No, in fact, he's one of the more interesting guys to set up an interview with. He's just like to, just to get the interview set he's up. He's like old school set up interview. Well, use a fax. No, nah, no, it's Telegram. just kind of the, his language and the way he sets Anagram. it up and gives me certain times. And it's just right. you can tell the old professional. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. tell some of the older Ooh, school. Somebody guys. calling us right now. Well, other people like will just send me some link to a calendar app I got to download in order right. to get their time. I have no idea how. There is a certain segment of the population. I have no idea where my accept button goes. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, there's. it's like, you ever watch Lost? Oh, yeah. You know when they had to record in those logs? Yeah. And then they had to put, they had to put them in that bank vacuum tube That's thing? Right. That's right. And then it just went out they into went a out pile nowhere. in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. That's what I think happens when I hit these accept. Oh, absolutely. To, oh, are you going to show up to this calendar yeah. time? I'm like, I don't even know what yeah. you're doing. Those messages end up where all the uh, second shoe and socks go in the world. But man. I know where those go. <laughs> those ends up in Kenya. Those ends up you know, in the Sudan. I've seen the articles on the Buffalo Bills winning the world championship yeah. well, hey that's the advantage of living Super in a digital world man you can be like oh no didn't get that never got that, that email excuse. it went to my spam folder i started yeah. uh bcc in myself on really? a few things oh yeah yeah well when you get lied to so much you got to realize you're the fool right you know <laughs> fool me a hundred times i guess i'm the fool on right, that start, one yeah, shame me once it's, yeah. it's just me accepting and enabling at this point so at some point you change life course right i think it's important you know you obviously you might have lost some audio but you did the smart thing you had more than one microphone and a special forces buddy of mine used to say that two is one and one is none right so redundancy right. is good you just found out that you were the redundant part I also learned that I need to bring with my little checklist. There you go. Okay. I got this great story that I was told at one time from a pilot. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a pilot. Guy had been flying 45 years. 
That's a long time. To 45 fly. years pilot. Okay. Never came down once? Well, he started when he was 15. Okay. So he's a younger pilot, but, you know, so, but very experienced. Isn't funny that you could probably get a pilot's license before you can get a driver's license? And he pulls out his wallet, and he pulls out a laminated checklist. And he goes, Jason, I pull this out every single time I get into the cockpit. Okay. And he goes, it's so automated now. Yeah, I don't need to. But you still do it. He goes, but if I miss one of these, <laughs> it's your life. Yeah. One of those is a bad day. Right. And so I kind of feel whenever I screw up, mm-hmm. I think of that. Like Checklist. Okay, did I not check the mic? Yeah. And then there's these buttons on the, you know, the mobile recording unit. Okay, there's that. Well, then one of the mics I have is even more of a mobile one, and it doesn't connect the same way as the other one. So if I don't have it in all the way, mm-hmm. thank you, 80s Walkmans. <laughs> that plug-in, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That 80s yeah. Walkman Where plug-in? you had to hold it at a slow Light angle to make well, it connect properly. It's too. got like that phallic mushroom head uh, um, top on it, you know, tip, okay. whatever. And I, I not mean sexual. I have no other way to pr- no nipple. anybody that's nipple. just joining us. This is audio discussion. <sighs> And sometimes you don't click it in all the way, right? Yeah. You don't do the second click. Okay. So then I'm starting to wonder, well, did I not second click? And then, well, I, you know, I, the TV, the television station wanting to do interviews with me. I had phone calls. I had texts. I had chairman. I had wires. Yeah. I had operators grabbing me. I had to turn off my mic and let Sean Forbes do it all by herself in the moment. Changing, you know, changing our oil 90 miles an hour down the interstate. (laughs) Did I not turn the mic back on? So how much of this is on me? How much of this is technology? How much of this is just shit happens? Now, getting back to the three. I think it's all three of those. Now, getting back to the three, and this is what I do not think it is, but this is something that does happen in the world of technology. Now, keep in mind, I've done thousands of interviews, okay? Mm -hmm. One interview, I'll do this one second. Okay. Okay. So, I'll do the Tom Shepstone one. We'll get back to the Tom Shepstone one. And we didn't do much. We just, you know, had... Had our normal talk about the Pennsylvania ways and New York gone wild and Ohio's the place that's going on. You know, whatever. Just mm-hmm. the whole update from the eastern sector. Well, it's static through the whole thing. Just oh, static man. through the oh. whole thing. And so n- nothing savable. Yeah. Went on YouTube, spent 45 minutes watching... You know, different YouTube videos, right. how, how to fix I, this yeah. and fix how that. Can I unscrew that. Wasted that time. Yeah. Okay. But you got to find out. You got to know for sure. Well, if you're a pro, you at least try to put an effort, right? Yeah. Well, now I had to scrap it. All right. So, got to eat, eat crow, apologize, mm-hmm. do what you got to do to save face. Yeah. Well, one interview, ooh, this was not good. So, it was the uh, bishop. Not the bishop, Lutheran. What would the Lutheran be? Uh, Bishop's Catholic, right? Uh, yeah, Bishop is. Okay, I'm not sure the whole Lutheran. Lutheran I, you deal. know what, Pastor Padre. It was, it was during the uh, homosexual ushering in out. You know, there was a lot of uh, issues with the church and that. Oh, okay, that was Catholic church. And so he he was one of the ones pro. Okay. You know, he was all about love and kumbaya and right. peace, you know, and there was sectors that were not for yeah, that. Okay, right. get out of our church. And this is when I was at. Um, KFGO, the, the community-based station, mm-hmm. right? And so we were doing an afternoon program. And so he was going to come in and talk about it. Big get, big controversial yeah, topic, absolutely. especially for yeah. a very conservative part of the mm-hmm. country. And so I got put on that. 
because, you know. <laughs> right, let's give it to him. Hey, the guy that's already under the bus, keep, yeah, keep, yeah. keep him on those. Okay, and so it, 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 we did, a, you know, 45 minutes. He brought notes over, all oh, this man. stuff. We had, I mean, it was like it, we had to bless the thing ahead of time and reserve. It, it was very, very different of an interview. Same thing. And this was professional equipment. I yeah. mean, this was not some mobile stuff. This was wired what was We've done a hundred of these interviews before. This was not even over the phone. This is right. two people on a microphone like yeah. never happened before. So the engineer came in, the $100,000 plus engineer and, and the secondary engineer and all this other stuff. Well, after a week of trying to figure this out, going into the archives of the archives, which I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a backup of the backup? That didn't <laughs> surprise me, man. Redundancy. Well, when you're dealing with FCC, you know, right. that Everybody sort of wants stuff. Well, it seems like it. So anyway, um, let's see. What did I say yesterday? Oh, you sometimes, all the way back you, there? sometimes you live in a world where someone inserts in the planet of platitudes into your life. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when it shakes out, you're living in the realm of reality. <laughs> That's what I felt like in that moment because the engineer looks at me and just calmly, yeah, it's a ghost in the machine. Gremlins. Like just like this has happened. Right. Rarely. Yeah. Don't lose any more sleep over it. If you do, you're going to end up in a you know a corkboard wall yeah, trying to figure this shit out. Yep. You're going to go insane. Figure that stuff out, man. Us engineers, we yeah. call it ghost of the machine. Yep. Move on. See, I, I could throw some techno babble. It was like quantum fluctuations or a spike of static electricity or moonlight shining off Mars. You know. A week later. Swamp gas. A week later, he calls me. Or you could be cursed. The, the bishop, the, mm-hmm. the Lutheran bishop. Mm-hmm. I apologize. You're just I can't, throwing names I, out there. I don't know what, what that correct level of uh, hierarchy is. I apologize. But he calls me. Jason, you haven't aired that interview yet, have you? Because he just, yeah, he started processing it more and he's having issues. And I explained to him, he said, oh, thank the heavens, because he didn't want it to air. And so, yeah. And then, of course, the higher power talk happened and... You know, and, and so there really is, and all this stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was one of those kind of cool moments that... Almost like a uh, act of God. So I just looked it up, pastors. Lutherans are typically called pastors. Well, that's that's the priest level. What's the next level up? Oh, I didn't see that. Okay, you don't have yeah. the matrix hierarchy no, chart? there's like a Is this hierarchy? blasphemy talk here? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it in was ca- a In Catholics, we've got, you know, we've got priests and then deacons and friars, right. and even the, the, the bishop is more the regional manager. I always wanted to be a friar. It just sounds cool. I know, doesn't it? It's, you know, you just wanted to drink like in I Robin just Hood. Friar Tuck, man. I was like, right. get your mead on. Get your Beer. mead on. <laughs> That's right. Have you ever had mead? I have. Honey, right? Yeah. Mead is yeah, honey. It's, it's made from honey. A little too sweet for me. Yeah, I uh, I found it to be like, stuck to the back of my throat. Yeah, a little bit sweeter than Boone's, which is hard to do. Oh God, Boone's or Amber Arbor Mist or yeah. No, uh, you just I just threw up a little bit in the back of my Did mouth. I tell you about the restaurant I went into when I asked about their wine selection? Did they say And booze? he looked at me and he said, We have Arbor Mist and walked away. Wow. That's like saying, Yeah, we got fresca but not water. Like anybody who asks <laughs> if we have wine 
Is that, gonna, he's gonna get this answer. Is that the way he? Yeah, he's like prepped to tell you that to scare you away. Or oh, something. he looked at me like we have Arbor Mist. Like, dude, you get it right there. Yeah. What kind of place this yeah. is? I'll just give you a glass. You can go get some toilet water. Would you like to see our deep fried menu? Because yeah. that's our menu. Yeah, you know, everything right? comes with a bowl of cheese. <laughs> Did you get the hierarchy of that? No. Okay, no, forget I'm, it. Then yeah, we'll look it up I'll later. Look it up later. Because uh, it's not a big part of the story. So yes. anyway, it, that was the other ghost in the machine. Where that's that interesting, though. That, that was know. divine intervention yeah. ghost of the machine. That's like the Matrix waking up. Uh, the other one was um, just kind of ghost of the machine, the gremlins. Ha, 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 got you, yeah. wasted your time. Yeah, just a weird and the, EM frequency. The, the third one, fourth and fifth, which was the Williston Basin Conference one, that I think was more me. <laughs> How so? Well, I'm pretty sure trying to multitask that much. I'm getting older, man. I look in the mirror. I got more salt and pepper these days. Silver Foxen looking for romance. And the fact that I even know that that was a band yeah. explains how old yeah, I am. I say, yeah, you're either old or you're a historian. Are they shoop? Doop doop or is that Destiny's? Dude, the older I get, the more music from my youth here we go, that I didn't here we go, even like. Here I, go I like again. it now. Oh wow! All right, so you're you're bringing on a lawsuit too. Yeah, I know. Well, one more note: we would have got a bill from ASCAP. <laughs> okay, or you know, front cap. Didn't get that joke. Okay. I did. I wasn't sure where to go with. Well, it. I could have said donkey cap. I Oops. guess that would have been better. <laughs> I, 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 you know, well, as cap, right? So. Well, when you were talking about your connections earlier, I was, were, you know, I was thinking, are you double connection deep on that? You know, anyway. coming up here on June, the week of June sixth, by the way, June 9th and tenth specifically, we'll be at the Shale Energy Conference and Trade Show. And that's right around the corner. Oh, it is, isn't it? I better yeah. make sure you my, better start hitchhiking my now, rooms man. are reserved. Oh, no, we're not doing the EV vehicle trip. No. Dude. <laughs> you know what we should do? Let's do a race. You have to start out from here in an EV-only vehicle using only charge stations that are available you know, to, to the normal end user versus somebody hitchhiking down. That, by the way, should be something the oil and gas industry should sponsor. Is like a cannonball the run. great EV race. Right. From Tulsa to Oklahoma City. I was going to say from like Fargo to Moorhead. Well, it's I'm saying like right. from Dallas to Houston. Yeah. Like it's a three hour drive, right? Uh-huh. Because the EV vehicle can only go like two to two and a half hours. Right. And if you really want to get snarky and fun, do it in the Rocky Mountains where they got to go uphill. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. So it's like between rest stops. Go from like Denver to Boulder. <laughs> oh, man. Not da- well, which one's downhill? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know either. But okay, from Greeley to Boulder. Yeah. There we go. From Greeley to Boulder. Yeah. Test oh. the brake system there, man. See, I think that's a great idea. EV drag that's racing. That's what we're going to do. We are going to do that. I bet you I could find three EV users mm-hmm. that will be a part of this. We'll start from Becker Safety, or we'll find some Make super a charging out station out in right. out in uh, Greeley. I'm sure they have one yeah, or two sure that are powered least. by fossil fuels. <laughs> well, that a lot of these EV stations are charging stations. Right next to them is generator. Yeah, they got a diesel generator. Yeah, and yeah. it looks like a shed. Yeah, yeah, they got to hide it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's Can, like you, you got to build that elementary school to conceal it. But I wonder, because I've heard similar things where they're using solar panels to power some oil and gas equipment. So I'm wondering, do they? Well, we did a those. story in that yeah, a long right? time ago. Yeah. Yes. That was one of our first year stories. That's, that's the thing is that they're not afraid to implement. It's an engineering thing. It's, no, does it work? We'll use it. Well, versus, and, oh, we've got to hide it. No, they actually, they, they okay, the story we did was that these guys out of Kansas, these crazy yahoos out of Kansas, right? Uh-huh. Smart, clever capitalists. They had, I don't know, eight solar panels Hmm. next to their rig, and it it probably helped 20% of their business. That's it. You know, I mean, they did it because the tax credits were there. I think their uncle had one they were throwing away. They threw in there maybe. It was, was, they took advantage of a lot of sticks of opportunity. That's the thing is they don't really look at, you know, generally they're not looking at it from the point of view of, oh, I need to do this because it's going to save the world, right? It's more, this makes things easier. This is, it's all about efficiency. Solar panel... Pump Jack. I'm going to write that down and, and put that video on Solar there. Solar Power Pump Jack. Yeah, Band name called it. Maybe maybe just Pump Jack. I just had to cough there. And I think that's another reason why I screwed up at the Williston Basin Did Conference. You turn it off and then... Well, and the mic I was using, I was using the lesser of the mics. Mm-hmm. I was using the least quality of all of them. Okay. Because... Catholic guilt, that's what I do. Sure. Okay. Everyone yeah. else has got to have better than me. Yeah. So... That's and so the mic is even the on and off button is like flush, a little twitchy, flush. Okay, not flush, fl- flush. What would be the e flush? Yeah. Whereas these mics, as you can feel, you can feel them. Yeah, I like knobbies. So sometimes I, I would go to turn the mic on, and it wouldn't turn on, and I think it would. Ah. I caught myself doing that one time, so then I returned it on. So now I'm starting to second guess myself. Yeah. You need that checklist, man. I need the checklist. I, I think that's what you know. It's like me with my readers. You know, we're at that age now. <laughs> do the do the airplane story about saving people's lives. Don't do the old age one. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. 
Trust, First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. Sterling is sitting right over across the studios here, the Industrial Forest Studios, and we've got Mr. John Lyle on the phone lines, the Swan Energy phone lines from S&B Helical. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Appreciate you... Uh, Giving us some time. Giving us some time and sticking with us. We've been trying to get this interview now for about two months. Oh, yeah, it's been a little bit. And these are good problems to have. I was, I was telling <laughs> Sterling that this is the way oil and gas works. You know, sometimes you got a, something booked, and five minutes before you even got the phone call or the meeting set up, you get a text that needs to be rescheduled. And yep. two months later, lo and behold, and the reason I bring up the timeline is because originally we were going to talk about uh, your opening day game for the Houston Astros and we're almost at the all-star break now yeah it was uh it was a pretty good game you know we were able to make it somebody donated some tickets to local veterans and uh Matt Torres for my team he and I were both vets and uh we're able to attend that game for free um oh wow I made a pretty good post there on LinkedIn in regards to the publicity that the oil and gas industry in particular had made at the game with uh all of the sponsorships that were occurring and you know kind of put out there that uh the game was brought to you by oil and gas <laughs> and the reason we wanted to bring you on was to talk about that theme because that is one thing that you know the crude life has been pretty open about is how the oil and gas industry needs to do a better job of reaching out to the masses more rather than the industry and sterling who's grew up in Dahran, saudi arabia so he literally lived on an oil and gas compound for his entire childhood. Uh, he grew up around it. So for him, it's it's a little bit different. But for the average person in America, it's hard for them to connect with oil and gas. And going to a baseball game, going to and the NCAA college football was what Sterling and I were talking about that really made us aware of this, that that's the perfect place for an oil Absolutely. and gas sponsor is you know a, a football game so john thank you for post- posting those pictures on facebook about the houston astros because i don't think a lot of people are aware of that this is starting to happen now more and more that these oil and gas companies are starting to show that they're they're showing the uh, you know support outside of the industry into more community type environments are you seeing that too oh uh, yeah 
absolutely. In fact, um, that's kind of how we structure our business. Uh, my brother-in-law, Clayton, uh, he's president of the company. He and I, uh, back in fifteen sixteen, when we first started the company, we didn't really start experiencing success ourselves until we started contributing to the community that we were in. Um, at that time, it was just the, the community of Williston, North Dakota. But once we got out and started attending events and going to Chamber of Commerce-related stuff and and uh, going to games and sponsoring games uh, for the local college hockey team and things like that, that's when we noticed an uptick in, uh, in revenue and business. And, of course, with that, then we uh, contribute more to the, the uh, local economy and the, the uh, local events that are going on. So it's just a, a good mutual relationship. You mentioned Williston and Colorado. Talk to me a little bit about your uh, journey in oil and gas, different locations, different shale plays that you guys are in. And oh, and I, I always say shale plays, just different reserves, or because some people do unconventional right, and right. conventional. And I just like the word shale play. It's so lazy. Yeah. I'm just being lazy. So uh, talk to me about your different locations and your journey and the whole deal when it comes to oil and gas. So with oil and gas, um, you know, again, Clayton, He's a uh, fourth generation. His his family's been in oil and gas for several generations. Uh, his dad and uh, his dad took them overseas. Um, they traveled to Indonesia and uh, all over the world doing uh, drilling and things like that. And then Clayton followed suit and and did the same. Um, I actually my my prior career was in law enforcement. I came out of military, went and worked for the Houston Police Department. That's what I did for quite a while, and then. Um, had some things go on within the family that required my attention and uh, that we moved the family. So when that occurred, I, I made some big changes and I ended up going and, and joining them in the oil field. Uh, towards the, the end of 14, we saw all these layoffs happening and we said, well, let's let's go into business for ourselves. And that's what we did. So in uh, January 15, SNB was started and uh, we started out in Williston. Our first client was XTO. Uh, that was our very first MSA. And, and that's really uh, how we, we grew, was getting within that community again there in Williston. Uh, over time, people had moved around within the oil and gas industry, and we had maintained those relationships. Um, we had some folks that had worked their way from, from Williston down into the Permian and the Delaware basins down there in Texas, and they called us one day and said, hey, you know, we've got a competitor of yours down here that's uh, got pretty much a monopoly on, on your product and service. Um, and we'd like to see you guys come down here and, and bring a competitive advantage. And that's what we did. In fact, we're still working down there in the Permian, and we're still working up in North Dakota in the, in the Bakken. We've worked in the DJ. We've got work going on on the Peons right now out in uh, western Colorado. Um, we, we've worked out in Louisiana and uh, all over the place. We, In fact, I just made a post on LinkedIn, speaking of LinkedIn a moment ago there. We... Um, We've, we've hit 10 states in the last six years, which is pretty good considering we're just a, uh, you know, we're a small, veteran-owned and operated business. We're all privately uh, funded. Uh, when, when we want to grow, we don't have a big, lavish firm providing us with funds. We have to uh, put capital back into ourselves. Well, so. it sounds like you're able to remain nimble, which is, oh, you know, and... Very. very, yeah, and that's been a huge key to our success is being able to be nimble, uh, move and go where the the work is um up until this last year our our uh, i guess real sole focus was oil and gas and of course um you get to grow with the times and things like that so oil and gas and then covid hit simultaneously and we kind of took two hits at once um 
after COVID and, and oil in the early 2020 kind of came about, yeah, we said, well, let's, uh, let's see what else we can do. And we started venturing into other areas of the energy sector, looking at a transmission and distribution for electrical and looking at a solar solutions and even looked into the public sector. And we've, we've done some work across the board. Um, we've done some work in mining now. So it's been pretty advantageous, um, our ability to stay nimble and adjust with that market. Um, that, that's really been a, a good key to our success as well. So you mentioned Colorado, and um, I'm looking at your your profile page, and you spent some time in Grand Junction, huh? Uh, yeah, I lived in Grand Junction for a little while. Um, nice area. I really like that part of Colorado. I've always said that, you know, the Rifle, Frutia, Grand Junction area, boy, that's that's God's country up there. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite places to hunt is out there in the Rifle, Colorado area, the Peons Creek Basin. So it's... Uh, it's a nice area for sure. Yeah. How, how about in the, uh, do, you, do you make it back up, make it up there much anymore? That's that's primarily just gas, correct? There's not too much oil up there? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's mostly gas. In fact, that's where uh, Clayton uh, broke out in the oil and gas industry. I broke out right there in Vernal, just west of there. And um, I still go there a couple times a year. My uh, father-in-law lives out there, and he's one of our um, primary stakeholders with the company. Um, he serves as a project manager on our team. And... Uh, we, we go out to Grand Junction and visit him and the family every once in a while. How about the veteran part? You mentioned veteran-owned. Um, elaborate a little bit more on that, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, so uh, Clayton and I are both Iraq War vets. Um, he joined the Army shortly before I did. I, I joined out of high school right after him, and uh, he deployed to Iraq right before I did. And In fact, uh, the day that he got home, from from his service overseas uh, was the same day that I got my orders to go overseas. So uh, that seemed to be how our military career went. Um, we missed each other the whole entire time we were we were in the army. Uh, I don't think we saw each other, but maybe one time out of three or four years. So it was pretty interesting. But uh, both of us are, are Iraq War vets, and about a year or two ago, we went and got ourselves registered with uh, sam.gov and took advantage of the opportunity to be registered as a uh, service disabled veteran owned small business mm-hmm. and uh, that that gives us a little bit of a foothold in some some uh public sector opportunities that may have set asides for those particular uh, types of of a business uh so well, there has been, there is some outreach. That was I was kind of curious about is if there were opportunities for veteran-owned small businesses in your field, you know, to to get a foothold, you know, to to be able to get an opportunity to make bids on on those types of contracts and have those right. opportunities. Well, within the oil and gas industry, there really isn't. I haven't seen any um, ad, advantage there with regards to that status, but. Um, you know, it, it, we do get some appreciation out of it, and, yeah. and you do get a lot of patriots, so to speak, within the oil and gas industry that are appreciative of the military service. So I think it does have a little bit of advantage, but not as much as you would see within the public sector um, when there's particular set-asides for those type of things. Okay. I, I think one of those certifications and, and quantifications, if you will, these types of ones mean something. There's a lot of them that don't mean much. You know, you can just pay the annual dues and be done. But 
to me, anyone where you got military service, you, 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 you demonstrate a certain behavior, you demonstrate a certain moral ethics codes, etc. Yeah. So, you know, you just they don't just give that out to anybody, right? No, uh, you know, so shouldn't anyway. Right. Yeah. And so especially in the oil and gas industry, I, I can imagine that it's something. Well, Brian Lash and I have talked about that, the founder of Target Logistics, where a lot of the oil and gas industry is very much like the military in terms of expectations and regimen and taking care of it merit-based merit-based yeah. absolutely but yeah. results uh, i did want to thank you for your service and also i wanted to invite you out to the bakken barbecue on june 18th it's a friday i don't know if you got plans but if you make your way out to the bakken barbecue we'll recognize you up on stage i don't know if uh Tiffany Steiner or Jackie Jenkins are going to slap my hand at all, but uh, I'm the MC, so I can abuse oh, them a little it's, bit. It's to honor first responders. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's about as first responder as you get. We're, we're, we're honoring the police. We're honoring fire. We're honoring EMT. You know, Versus, I don't know yeah. if we have military. So, you know, anyway, you're Plus invited barbecue. to come out. And barbecue, too. <laughs> Uh, real I'll definitely consider it. I don't think I have anything going on around the 18th. Um, well, if you want, I'll send I'll send you the information, and if you can make it out, we'll even promote you, and people can come by and shake your hand. And yeah, we'll be was, handing out potatoes. Yeah, Hot potatoes. We're going to be handing out potatoes. Good. It's a good yeah. vegetarian option to put your barbecue on. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. Well, everybody's welcome at the Bakken Barbecue, and honestly, you know, I would like to ask you about ESG if you wouldn't mind, because you mentioned you're getting into the mining a little bit and. You've got your, you know, it's oil like and gas solar and, in there too, maybe. And just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, the potatoes is our kind of example of ESG, which is, you know, uh, barbecues are inherently kind of inclusive or exclusive. I mean, you're vegetarian. What, what are you going to eat at a barbecue, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, if we offer potatoes, well, at least a barbecue uh, vegetarian can come. Right. And be a part of the fun and the festivities. Doesn't mean they have to eat one rib. Too bad. And no, more it, for us, and man. And if it offends you, stay out, right? Just yeah. for America. Free hey, we're country. trying to meet you halfway, hippies. Come on. So that that's our example of kind of ESG, um, just to kind of get the conversation going. Um, are you hearing anything out there on this ESG movement, pro-negative, no idea what's going on? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, quite honestly, I do not. I, I do apologize. It, Bring me up to par. No, that's okay. It's uh, environmental social governance. It's this. I ha- so I know what the acronym is, but I, I've never actually read into any of it. Oh, no problem. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you said that because that's making me aware that we need to uh, probably educate a little bit more on our end on some things because uh well we're just starting to see it now you know in regular use well they're ramping it up yeah they're ramping it up i got some uh emails now states are doing quick esg training and right. all, oh yeah there's gonna be e- well, ESG money certification well, money now yeah, yeah it wasn't money before so they didn't you know they didn't want to do it so now they're gonna educate so um interesting okay uh well we won't spend any more time on that topic so uh, what's next for you guys? You're you're in Colorado today. What's next? Where are you going? Oh hell, we've got work all over the place. It's actually picked up tremendously since um, I'd really say about the first of the year, maybe maybe February. We've seen a significant uptick in opportunities, and then also in a word of work. Um, whereas going last year, we we saw plenty of opportunities, um, but they would always fizzle out. I mean, I saw probably fifty percent. Uh, with no no amount of exaggeration there of our opportunities would end up getting canceled 
or pushed out. Um, so that's something that hasn't happened in quite a while. I'd say several months now is when we get a proposal opportunity, it ends up actually being executed, whether or not we win the job. Um, but for us moving forward, um, you know, we had to do some stuff uh, last year, like most people, to uh, adjust the market and the, the volatility of the economy. That, that hit us and then also with COVID-19 travel restrictions things like that so we're regrouping uh, we've moved our headquarters from Midland, Texas over to Houston but we've or rather uh, the Woodlands just north of Houston uh, we've still got our Midland, Texas office we've still got our Williston, North Dakota office but uh, we've definitely done some regrouping I'm building a house down there and I'll be moving there uh, in July myself um, really focusing on the Gulf Coast and um, Are you, you're moving down to Midland huh or down to Texas Back down to uh, the Houston area. Myself, no actually. kidding. That's you know, I've you're the fourth person in the last three months that said they're doing that from the Bakken. Well, you've got a lot of decision makers that are uh, regrouping there as well. So you got to go where those decision makers are, right? Um, we're seeing less and less of uh, opportunity to interact with them in, in other cities, whereas Houston's a good hub. We can get in and out of it uh, very easily you know with air travel and whatnot but there's plenty of uh, opportunity within the gulf coast region as well so uh, that's pretty advantageous and then uh, we can mobilize out of there and, and get our material in and out of there with the, the local ports and, and things like that um, there, there's plenty of opportunity and, and plenty of advantage for putting ourselves there but like i said earlier you know we're still working in multiple states uh, this year so far we've worked in uh, new mexico louisiana texas missouri um North Dakota, New Mexico, I think I said New Mexico, but yeah, we've been all over the board and looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year brings. And you mentioned Clayton several times. I should mention, is that Clayton Carmack? Yep. And he's a, a partner, a business partner? or Yeah, so Clayton and I uh, founded the company with his father back in um, 2015, and his dad has uh, been more of a silent partner until recently when we brought him into a project management role, which is more of his uh, forte and what he's been doing for his career within the oil and gas industry. And then uh, Clayton is our president. And, um, and uh, the, 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 the reason I ask is, did, didn't he just get elected to the uh, Permian Basin Pipeliners Board? Yes, he did. Well, yeah, tell him congratulations. Nice. We're, uh, we're going to be at the Shale uh, Energy Resources Trade Show June 9th and 10th down in Midland, and we have... Derek Clark and uh, Adam Perkins from the Pipeliners Association already scheduled to be guests on the on the Crude Life. So um, they're doing. You guys are doing good work with the Pipeliners Association. We're we're happy to support them. Oh, that's great to hear. I really appreciate it. I know Clayton will be appreciative as well. He he really uh, volunteers a lot of his time there and uh, seems to be a good fit for him. Well, if he'd like to come on the Crude Life while we're down there, we'll certainly uh, create some space for him yeah. to come on and talk about uh, some of the things that are going on down there because like i said the, the pipeliners they do good work down there trying to raise money for the community but also uh bring people together for the right reasons you know it's it's not just a you know a political type of a thing they're 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 you get probably the pipeliners are hard workers jeez oh i agree yeah. You have to be. I mean, well, it's a different level. Yeah. It you is. Got to hit you know? it, or you're, you're out. I mean, it was not even getting the roughnecks. That's yeah. a whole other level of work. So, yeah, just, oh yeah, no. trust me. It, it was actually funny when I broke out in patch. You know, I did surface drilling, and then I went and worked on a uh, a flex rig in the DJ basin for a little while, working derricks. And I just, uh, I remember one day after I got done pulling about a 16 hour tower, 
I got back to a little camper that I had and family was living in Grand Junction. I was working in Vernal and uh, I sat down to take off my boots and about eight hours later, I woke up oh, I man. wearing my boots and I was in the sitting position. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was still covered in mud and I rinsed off real quick, jumped in the truck and went out for another tower. I went I back and did uh, it again. Didn't skip a beat. <laughs> yeah, geez. Like I said, until you know what it's like to make a major decision at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> with a seatbelt wedged in your back while you're sleeping, you don't know what it's like to work in the oil and gas industry. <laughs> because that comes at some point well hey i appreciate the time today and you know again circling back to the the main purpose of the interview which is uh good work out there promoting the industry showing that the energy the energy industry the oil and gas industry specifically they are starting to do more uh you know showing their their brand and their their awareness outside of the industry events and the houston astros is a great place to do it because it's bringing in all walks of life and again we bring up the ncaa i was just looking there used to be an oil bowl back in the 40s wow really yeah there was an oil bowl back in the 40s and then it went away and then that was the end. There was no more sponsors. Yeah. I, I looked, not Shell, not BP, not Well, they Exxon. treat them like tobacco sponsors wow. now, you know? Yeah, but even back in the 80s, I, you know, there wasn't even a um, just a random Exxon yeah. or anything like that. So it, it's it, this is why I think this is big news. Mm-hmm. I look at this as like, wow, they're, they're starting to reach out in the professional arenas. That's why we're bringing John Lyle in because he's boots on the ground to see this. Seeing it, yeah. Well, this is this is a very long format story, but it's a story. Well, you know, I, I was just wondering real quick before we, we let you go, uh, that were they just basic, you know, ads for the company or were they message ads? Did they have like that fracking one we saw in New Mexico the other day we were talking oh, about? Oh, John, were, were they were they branding ads or did they have messages? You know what I mean? Like, was it just your basic... Thank your oil and gas workers or yeah. was it just... No, it was actually a little bit of both. So, okay. Um, I'd say primarily it was, you know, just the, the signs for various companies that were posted. But then you actually had on the Teletron or whatever the heck you call the screen there, <laughs> um, they had a, a scrolling uh, message going. And I actually took a picture of that, too, because at one point in time, that scrolling message said, today's game brought to you by oil and gas. Oh, like, cool. Yes. Yeah. That was phenomenal, you know. <laughs> so it, it was great to see that kind of a response. And and uh, I made sure I took tons of photos from where I was seeing. Um, if you, you know, have like those that. still, we'd take them, Jason. Yeah, uh, studio at the crudelife.com or just text them over to me, whichever works, or, or send them via LinkedIn. That'd be great. And we'll give mm-hmm. you give you photo credit, the whole deal. But uh, uh, that I'd love to see that as our... Uh, image on the news you know Absolutely. and you know, you know when people yeah, post, like the ticker tape scroller yeah, yeah. When, they, when they post links you know how it yeah. gives you one photo mm-hmm. have I'd, that be the photo yeah, that'd Absolutely. be cool that'd be really cool so um anyway any final thoughts any final words messages anything we you know we'll give you the final thought i guess lottery numbers oh uh, hey well i mean snb we're um better known and operated helical pier business uh providing oil and gas with uh, Helical Pier Foundation Solutions across the United States. And uh, hopefully, you know, we, we get a, enough clientele and, and a big enough piece of that market that we can uh, eventually have our, our logo sit in Minute Maid Park up there with the Astros. So uh, outside of <laughs> Absolutely. that, uh, y'all have a great day. Thank you very much. You too.
music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Shining with the marquee sound The frozen cobblestone reflects the night Riding up the smile faces of the people passing by The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come it takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com play hard work hard now let's work hard well you're my pineapple baby let me be your mango man Back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We are play hard, work hard. We're dropping show. stuff. We're that excited. John Lyle, good interview with him. That was way. that was a good one. Thank you very much. Of course, we're going to have that interview isolated as well. In why are we why are we quarantining our interviews now? Oh no, we quarantine and isolate. Right. We COVID late. Right. We got to make sure we didn't say or we have to cut out. Most of the stupid things that I said. That they, uh, uh, because sometimes people don't want to listen to the first hour of our nonsense. Really? So, well, okay. That's so, weird. For example, Charles Gorecki. Okay. He's the Great name. CEO of the Energy and Environmental Gorecki. Research at UND. Okay. okay. So not only is he of the upper management. Intelligentsia. But he comes from intelligentsia. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So... Pretty sure he doesn't want to put the play hard, work hard in their newsletter. We're the lowbrow to his, we're the, yeah, we're the Neanderthal. But, you know, putting, hey. putting the crude life out there in isolation, like Harold Ham or somebody right. else. Yeah. yeah, that they'll do. Sure. But not this nonsense. No, that's fine. No. no. But, but I always give us one day 
I give us one day of, oh no, you got to listen to our crap right. to get to the good stuff yeah. before we put the good stuff on its own. Exactly. Yeah. It's attrition. That's- Come get some. That's my strategy out there. See, I kind of thought you started doing this really is just a way to kind of, you know, shake things up before you dove into the serious stuff. Well, you know, you know, to kind of loosen up, have your coffee, relax, you know, get the day going. So did you hear two things? Uh, All right, I'm going to write down radio and Trump. What would you like? I'll take radio Trump for 600. You said radio first. So radio. Big news. Big news. Big news. Big news. Little old Jason Space here. Big news uh, from a big state. Food life. Well, you know, we got those interviews that we've been getting. Right. And we've been around for a good decade. Well, I got a call from uh not a call. Not a call. An email. An email. Okay. That's what we call calls nowadays. Got a modern day call. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> got a formal request for for uh, Jason Spies on Drive Time Morning Show Radio, 5.50 a.m. Oh, wow. So what does that mean? 100,000 watts of truth. Truth. Is that yep. what you said yesterday? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's awesome. a, a torch of truth. or Yeah, yeah. 100,000 watts of torch and truth. Yeah, blinded you with science. So we've been emailing, corresponding back and forth now, and I've extended an invitation for their morning show. Okay. To come and do a do a co-interview during the Shale Energy Resources. So if they're Perfect. nice enough to have me on, right, part of their show, well, come on by and it's gonna be like a team up. Show. It's like a crossover movie. This so is I've awesome. I've got to get another microphone. Okay, because okay. there might be three of us yeah. now during one of the interviews. All right, redundancy, man. Strength in numbers. Yeah, this is almost like this is like how the Avengers formed, right? You know, so. I will be part of some news, according to the radio, because I'll be talking about the Shale Energy Resources mm-hmm. uh, trade show uh, that we're going to be heading down to as part of the summer tour. Right. That's about live a, and, a week and a half Well, or it's so. kind of the live and local tour, and of course, Midland is one of our stops. Yeah. And we're going to be spending a week there for a week. That's a good time to spend a week. Not like the time it was in Hobbs. <laughs> Remember I spent a week there one night? Yeah, one night. Whew. Yeah. Or was it Roswell? <laughs> now that light on the side of your skull's blinking. I do want to get over to Roswell. You really way. should. I've never been. I have never either. Never been. Never been. Been to Hobbs. Never been to Os- Roswell. I've only ever been to the northern part of New Mexico. I've been know. to Taos. Oh, you've been to Taos? Yeah, I've been okay. to Taos. Yeah. Uh, the Hum. They got the Hum there. Been to Santa Fe. I heard there's like, or at least there were like sort of Breaking Bad tours that you could do through Taos I and those totally areas. I totally forgot about Breaking right. Bad. Right? Because that's, that's that where was it Albuquerque. was. That was Albuquerque, wasn't it? Well, I did get a scholarship offer from New Mexico State. Hey. So I, I was somewhat familiar with New Mexico. Beautiful country. Yeah. Oh, I love New Mexico. Yeah. I live there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There. So that's the radio news. Okay. We're going to be interviewed on the radio about the crude life and the tour and, you know, the, right. just, you know. what Kind of checking in the status of Jason. And the second news I have, I got to get up. Uh, my, yeah. Hang well, on, let me get up my handheld computer that you call a smartphone. I love that you guys are having this back and forth little chatty chat. Got another email. I got another text from Trump. Yep. Direct to you from Trump. This one's from Trump. Trump himself. Oh, wait a minute. See, I think I've. Uh, let me just read. Are you lying it. to let me? Let me just read it, okay, folks. Just you so were you know, making up Trump names yesterday for the first time. 
the very short version of this is that a socialist friend of mine signed me up, my phone number, put me on Bernie Sanders' mailing list at some rally mm-hmm. he went to. And when was this? 2016? 2018? 2016, I think okay, it was, whenever so. Bernie was relevant. Okay. And 1970, <laughs> 19 dickety. <laughs> and so I started getting these, you know, several months ago or years ago, whatever it was, several years ago. It's been a long decade. Well, then it went to Minnesota, North Dakota Democrats, Minnesota, North Dakota Republicans. Well, it ended up with Donald Trump that I'm getting texts from. So the one I got two days ago was they, they wanted you know me to sign Donald Trump's card. Yeah, did you do that or did you just I, get a, I, are you just going to send him something or what? I, I have until, when's his birthday? What do you get the man that has everything? June 14th, okay? Here's what... I might do this one, though. Okay. Trump might have got me here. You okay. Can see, all this right. Is all right. They're wearing you down. 20,000 text messages, and finally, they might have got me, right? <laughs> oh, That's I was not a scary thought. For a while. Yeah. I just didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop, right? Well, you know, it's a journalist, I think, part of you that was being itched. You're like, I just want to see where this keeps going. Absolutely. You know? Well, oh. and the marketing part of me is like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. And this is the genius. Well, it's part. that constant contact. Are you ready for yeah. this? Okay, here's what we got it's from It's called to action. Former president. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Are you going to activate your Trump founding membership? You haven't done that yet? President Trump noticed your name was missing. One hour left. Donate and join. Bit lie. So, I, you know, I, 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 usually the, the aggression turns me off, but the Trump founding membership, that's what got me. Yeah, founding father. Because, and I've, I've told this to pretty much every business class and, and every entrepreneur I know, what was told to me, and, and I believe this with my own mm-hmm. two eyes, my own experience, is if you start something new, there's 10% of the audience out there, the world, that'll support you just because it's new. Sure. They want to, hey, if you're, not, if you're authentic and this, you mm-hmm. know, you're a capitalist. It's and, different. Yeah, they, they, they'll support it because mm-hmm. they, for there's just 10% that will. Sure. And then there's 10% that won't, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You could give it to them for free, and they won't take it. Right. They're not getting, nope, 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 nope. And then there's 80% that are wishy-washy, right? And that's yeah. where you got to go and try to do your best to get them on board, this and that. But kind of that's how they explain, you know, if you're starting a new business, go find those 10% first if you can. If you know who they are, great. A lot of mm-hmm. times your friends and family and kind of go from there type of a thing but anyway that know your that, customer <laughs> that founding founding boy that that's, that's what a, gets it's, you. it's a word it's a good word well, it's a strong word it's a keystone that. yeah you're documented right yeah, yeah. well think about when they I've start seen your papers they start a building right they sell the bricks they sell the right you know with your name in it because mm-hmm. you get recognition as a founder so you know i bet you donald trump could get a lot of people to plant trees if it came with a Donald Trump planter stone, I'm thinking we got some idea. We need to explore this, right? I think there's a market here. Trump trees. Trump trees. I'm thinking, it's brilliant. All right, this news. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. I don't even recognize the name of this news source. Peak News Magazine. All right. Study finds abandoned oil and gas wells place unfair burden on landowners and taxpayers. This is coming out of Calgary. 
beautiful downtown University of Calgary, says the costs of Alberta's growing stock of abandoned and inactive oil and gas wells are falling unfairly on landowners and taxpayers. So this is kind of a, I mean, same story, different location that we've been sort of reading about. New Mexico yeah. seems to be where the news had been coming out before. Texas, too. Texas, too. Now we're starting to hear it, uh, you know, up in Canada. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're talking about, they, they see it as a growing problem that haven't been cleaned up. Inactive wells have quadrupled, and those wells that are staying quiet for longer, more than half have been active for more than a decade. Wow. So this is coming out of Canada, huh? And they're saying that their research suggests that more than 10% of inactive wells have leaks. Fewer landowners are getting the rent they're owed. Is my mic on? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. You know what, though? We keep... That's what I mean. It's it's the same story. It's a different location. There's leaks. There's problems. They're abandoned. They're zombie. I mean, you know what I'm hearing is um, opportunity, Right? For state, for government, for private money to clean these up. I mean, There's a lot of opportunity. And right now... This it's, is shovel-ready. Well, we've had Curtis Shuck on, who runs the Well Done Foundation. Yeah. And he flat out said he tried to be a private entity to solve this problem. You can't. You can't do it. You have to be a nonprofit. You've this is a nonprofit world. Well, now the government's going to step in, grab money, mm-hmm. and then turn around and give it to the private. That's why you and I today need to start our, our own ESG certification company oh the government's already doing that now too oh man I now, was no no now that like there's a holy water thing and oh i've gotten states now oh because now that there's money remember how i said the same people doing the same thing yeah now that the money's there for the esg training yeah now the same people that got us into this mess they're going to train us on esg well, now we're six months oh, in and you got to spend and, you got to spend thousands of dollars yep so no. they're getting money to do it, and then you got to give them money to get trained too. You can't make this shit no. up. Well, it, it's the well, there's a famous quote: the bureaucracy exists to grow the bureaucracy. I mean, it's that's the whole idea is that it grows to perpetuate itself, right? Well, when you see these cliches being played out before your eyes, no wonder people turn Michael Douglas falling down. <laughs> well, right? no wonder people think we're in well, some sort of simulation because you're like, no, that's too stupid. Is that, there is there a new postal? It used to be Postal. Oh, God. Because the Postal worker would yeah. finally snap. Yeah. And then it was Michael Douglas falling down yeah. with the angry, glasses. Angry white with the, guy. With the Drew Carey yeah. uh, glasses. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And kind it, of the haircut, too, who, really. Who's the new... What's the new now? I don't, snap? I don't know what the new snappy guy is, you know? Just lose it and run over a bunch of people in Vegas like Punisher. that woman did? You know, the, the problem... Joker. Go all Joker. The problem, yeah. Joker's probably your closest. Yeah. The problem is, is that we have too many of those real-life examples that I think we're less inclined to be like, oh, let's watch a movie about that. Joker. Like, is Falling it. Down was unique yeah. when it came out. It's not unique because that kind of stuff happens. Right. There's an annual yeah. one of those There's now. There's one of those right. now. So, you know? I mean, that's when Postal became cliche, that was sad. Man. To me, the, the, the issue with the abandoned well, honestly, is um, how the, the state has allowed the relationship to be set up because... Yeah, this doesn't happen overnight. Well, like in North Dakota, it's, you know, they got to put a deposit down mm-hmm. in case... Because the reason a well goes abandoned is because the company goes bankrupt. Usually, they fold, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not because it's not because Exxon just forgets about it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not because the oil companies forget about it. No, it's because some some you know uh, a risk venture company mm-hmm. 
put together by a bunch of people who probably get subsidies. Oh, you know, like that little snarky yeah. remark yeah. Mark there? Yeah. Well, that goes belly up, so they leave this well on the property owner. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's the property owner's responsibility. That's what it sounds like it's being the biggest problem here. Right. You know, they're not getting paid, and in between that, you're also, you've got a, it sounds like a small percentage, but a percentage that are leaking. And you see how they're doing the same thing with the wind turbines. Yeah. Yeah. The sa- same exact. Yeah, you could just swap it out. Model is set up for the wind turbines. Yeah. So the people like me who have been saying that that's a problem, mm-hmm. well, we get blackballed. We get, no, shut up. That's how we make our money. Right. No, we got to keep this kangaroo court going of tax dollars, and we're going to be the sol- solution to the problem that we saw that we created. Oh, it's unreal, man! I've it been is- I've been trying to find some some credible information that tells you the supply chain of one of those wind turbines. What does it cost to make it? What does it cost to transport it? What does it cost to install it? And how long does it have to run before it pays itself? The government off? could throw Bitcoin on top of these things. Jeez. No, seriously. Yeah. The government could throw Bitcoin on top of these things. And once the Bitcoin is able to pay the government back, they could then take care of the well. Talk about ESG, Something though. along those lines. Yeah, but see, I, I just in the last week or so, there's been this murmuring on the Bitcoin and on the Musk side and on the ESG side where you're starting to get the sense that, that uh, the focus is starting to turn more to how is Bitcoin being commercially mined. Right, so you Bitcoin and I ain't going anywhere. Well, I know I'm not saying that, no. Anywhere. But what what they're talking about is they're starting to train that little ESG laser and go, hey, that's probably not a good way for you to be doing your flare oh, gas, sure. right? Absolutely, it's another way to tax it, another way to regulate it. Yeah, and it just kills me, man. Well, three four months ago, I had never heard of ESG. We started seeing it in a couple of things. The last guest we just had, John Lyle, he's on boards. Yep. Of of and what did he say? He's familiar with the acronym, but not anything about but, but it. We had to. It was a follow up question. Yeah. His first response is, "No, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't know what I, what yeah. you're talking about." Yep. And then I said the the whole acronym of environmental social governments go- governance. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yep. And this is a guy who's so knee deep in with the work. Mm-hmm. And this is about this is clearly that's going to be something that's going to become another layer of regulation and rigmarole for him, right? Because isn't that the way it percolates down? But but what I'm getting at is that John Lyle he he's he's not connected, right? Okay, he was on the board of directors for the Williston Chamber of Commerce. Okay, so he he's connected with people in the know, right? And this ESG movement is happening so fast. Mm -hmm. People like him that have made a living being a leader in the industry, they're, they're not even going to have time to do anything but react. Well, and as many and that's different... the part that's going to be very difficult for someone yeah. like him because, listen, man, he's a veteran, and you're going to make him, you're going to tell him what to do? Well, you, you got to you got to explain yeah, exactly. why it's purposeful yeah. to get. Do you see it? Do you know what Absolutely. I mean by that? Yeah, go yeah. on. Well, no, it's like if you if you woke up tomorrow morning and there was like, oh yeah, by the way, we passed a regulation last night, completely changes how everything's going to be done, um, and same thing happened the climate tax. Well, yeah, but you know what's what's interesting about this is this is coming. Quite it's coming deep. from legislation, but it's also coming just from pressure. I mean, that's the whole acronym: social governance. It's a pressure, right? Right. So these it's it's haphazardly, and you've got you've got the marketplace like either knee jerk 
or turtling down and not even talking about it or so busy doing other stuff. They're like, I don't have time for this BS. What I've heard about it, but what, you know, it's interesting because they're, they're the world of picking and choosing winners and losers is now being done on an intangible and tangible basis when it comes to social governance. Because yeah. remember, a lot of business is black and white. Mm-hmm. You either make money, you don't make money, that sort of thing. When now you're talking about, oh, we need to do this for this reason, all of a sudden profits don't matter anymore. Yeah. And Ashley McNamee, talking about the ESG right here on this program with uh, Wilson and Alvarez, she was hinting to that, to where the conversations, really? are, well, her and I had that talk. I yeah. said, it's not a definitive, but I've heard these conversations and she didn't shy away from that. She didn't deny it. I'm and, not saying she agreed with it, but she did not deny it. And I know what that means. And she's a former news anchor, so she knows what she's doing. Right. Yeah. And we're not even six months into the year. And it's like, how could you definitively say, no, it's not going to get any more crazy. She knows, how to, she knows how to speak without getting in trouble. And I don't. Right. That's why she was the news anchor. <laughs> and I'm still schlepping it here on the radio. Now a podcast. Right. Okay. What's podcast the next on the radio? What's, what's the next? Uh, well, this will, story this we will help you. Actually, I think this will help you calm down, get your blood pressure down a little bit kind of a little namaste moment I didn't for know you my here. blood pressure was up. Yeah, so this is science news. I'm going to do a little science news for you here. Okay, you ready for that? Yeah. U.S. first open-air genetically modified mosquitoes have taken flight. Oh, the Bill Gates mosquitoes? Yes. No, this is their uh, subsidiary company called Oxitec. They're male mosquitoes for pest control. Yes. They started growing in tiny eggs set out in toaster-sized hexagonal boxes on suburban private properties on April. In April, on May 12th, experiment monitors confirmed that the males had matured enough to start flying off on their own. Man, isn't it cute when they can do it on their own? Little empty nesting here. So they're going to go out and court American female mosquitoes. Well, that's good. You know, at least it's a american thing so this short-term florida experiment marks the first outdoor test in the united states of a strain of genetically manipulated or gm male mosquitoes as a highly targeted pest control strategy it's engineered to shrink local populations what could possibly go wrong right what could possibly go wrong possibly go wrong there was a movie about uh i think it was a documentary about genetically (laughs) modifying Dinosaurs, where they found mosquitoes that had dinosaur blood in it. Oh, that documentary, yeah, and that, that one, island, and the guy from Apartments.com. Yeah, saved the Jeff, day. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah, man, he is versatile, right? So this is. Um, I, I when you're done, I gotta get back. I'm just to, saying, nothing yes. could possibly go wrong. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Wow. Okay, go on. It sounds like this is like a bad uh, '40s PSA on dating in the U.S., man. Because what they're hoping will happen is that half of the released male's sons, right, so the next generation, will carry their father's daughter-killing trait. The sons of the bad dads go on to trick a new generation of females into unwise mating decisions and doomed daughters. So essentially, through genetic manipulation, they have found out how most of us have found it out normally (laughs) to be a bad parent. And this all started to eliminate malaria, right? This is probably to do that, but it's it's really. It was in other countries. That's why the, that's where this first started. Was uh, that's why I call them Bill Gates mosquitoes. Oh, okay. Because Bill Gates was trying to eliminate malaria, 
and a way that he was connected to it. And I, I believe it was, it's pretty public. Yeah, it looks like in Brazil, they had already tested a strain and gone through the regulatory process so that the company could sell them. In Brazil. In Brazil. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And sell them. So they represent... Sell all, them. Yeah, they're selling them. So basically, they're selling them to go in and make the population dumb and make unwise mating decisions so you get fewer. Interesting. Right. Should we get blasphemous again? Did you hear that? There's 45 different types of mosquito species in the Keys, in Florida Keys alone. Well, I thought the snakes would have taken care of them. Oh, no, the snakes ate all the animals that eat the mosquitoes. Yeah, including the alligators now. <laughs> the snakes are eating the alligators? <laughs> yeah. The meth alligators. Not the meth alligators. <laughs> the meth albino gators. Yeah. <laughs> the Prozac snakes are getting eaten by the meth alligators. So, you know, I'm definitely not your normal tinfoil hat kind of guy, but I hear this kind of stuff and I just, my spidey sense tingles. Well, just that's okay. Bit, we can, right? we, we can get up on the rock of Gibraltar and, and have a little bit of a, of a, Is new, that what we're smelling a little bit of a new Testament, old Testament right. talk here because Plain I, God. I, I wanted to ask you, I assume of course, because if we're talking about genetically modified animals, I assume that somebody from the clergy or the cloth was interviewed in this story. No. So nobody in this story. Well, it is a science. Okay. Because there was a whole, like, I don't know, up till last year, that was a, that was a big deal for the church. Not to to play God. Yeah. And they kind of folded over on the wheat, not the wheat, uh, the corn and, you know, some of the other plants, Mm -hmm. which, that's a whole different vein. Yeah. But Monsanto. When, when we started getting to the cloning and the genetically modifying of fish and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, there was a lot of churches that would get upset. Well, that kind of went away a little bit. So I, I do want to say... Who the very, hell defends mosquitoes, though? Come on, you know? Well, right. Put, put them at the bottom of the ocean or on the moon, right? <laughs> that's, where, that's how you get your foot in the door. Well, you need to eat them because of bats. Right. But the wind turbines keep killing the bats, and the mosquitoes are... Mosquito, the bats eat like 10,000 mosquitoes a day. We're always going to adjust our environment. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving. Okay? So I need to start eating mosquitoes So that's mosquitoes what, that's what the, rabbi, the rabbi friend would say about that, okay. is that everything is good. Right. You're doing some Yiddish there for Nothing me? should be rejected. Oh, boy. This that, is... I, just, <laughs> but... <laughs> The Catholic in me with the New Testament, because mm-hmm. your testament is old, I'm going to get my New Testament out. Uh, well, I'm mine's gonna, full of blood and brimstone. I'm going to open mine to Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Okay. Let me just go through my mental Rolodex yeah. really quick here. Yeah. Because every tree that does not bear good fruit is to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thrown into the fire. All right. You see, you can... Yeah. You, you can, can argue both sides. Find, well, that was that's the beauty of the book, man. <laughs> it's a little bit for everyone. <laughs> oh, isn't that good stuff? So what else is how does this article end, by the how way? Does it end? Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Please last, tell us last how, scene excuse the me, how, swarm of mosquitoes was heading towards Miami. And how many mosquitoes did they release into the wild? Apparently they are only gonna make up about four percent. 
Okay, oh, it doesn't say it. Doesn't say. It. So, dude, you're talking about billions. That's what I was going to say. Apparently you don't want to tell people that number. The number of zeros yeah. was three lines yeah. on the story, right? Yeah. So they're like, okay, four percent. Yeah. You never talk about insects <laughs> in numbers that have like you know, hey, it's Bob, a word. Hey Bob, how many mosquitoes in the state? I don't know. Like a Google. It's a bunch, man. Uh, if we say four percent is legal, okay with that? Yep, four percent. Dude, okay. you go over a thousand, you've lost me. Right. I'm just laughing at the state <laughs> that has opened up an actual game and fish sponsored open season on anything that crawls with no legs called a snake. Okay. They got a, what are they called? The, the, the boa bowl, the python bowl. Really? They, oh, they even gave it a marketing name. The game and fish sponsored python bowl. Wow. It's like a three week bonanza of whacking day. Wow. Oh, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Go shoot as many snakes as you can. Right. Right. Okay. And when I when I was down there at the Keys, I saw this ad, and I thought it was just like you thought you know, it was like a joke. Well, I thought it was a fundraiser, right. whatever. Oh no, this was this sponsored by the Game and Fish, oh, right? Wow. And I'm going, oh my. So Only in Florida. Is, is the same people that are pissed off because a bunch of people introduced an invasive species into Florida <laughs> now introducing. You know, billions. You know what's interesting? Mosquitoes into the state. You know, you mentioned the clergy <laughs> side. Is that that's the thing? Is that five, ten years ago, this would have been a flashpoint argument, but we've gone past that point, at least with mosquitoes. And you know, and what they're trying to do again, good intentions. It's to spread, you know, stop the spread of diseases. This and that makes a lot of sense. Pretty you just, soon, you just wonder. You pretty soon, the cobra and the mongoose are next. Well, okay. You know, here's right? a, here's a real simple way to look at it from a human point of view. Can you order anything you want off of Amazon today, right now, if you wanted? To? Most things, but anything? Yeah, I don't know. Anything you wanted? Did you I spend know. any amount of money today? No. But somebody who can and does, when they have the option to go, I think I'd like to have a new gene so that I'm, you know, more susceptible to the sun or less susceptible. Oh, like when you get into stem yeah, cells. When you start and, to get yeah, in, when, yeah. you know, who's going to be the one that's going to get that awesome new science? Is it going to be you and me? Mm-hmm. No. It's going to be the people that can afford it, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, think about how much influencers there will be now a black go market. through There'll filters be a black of that. to look good. Um, and they'll put the money to physically be transformed to do that, you know? It's that's the future I see. And I see the black market. Okay, minority report. Obviously get future on where Tom get... Tom Hanks. No, Tom Cruise. Oh Tom Cruise. Tom yeah. Cruise from uh what's his name? Brian Flanagan from Cocktail. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's done any it's the only thing I haven't seen him in. <laughs> so Tom Cruise in Minority Report, yep. he's gotta put new eyeballs. Ew. Okay, because everything's retina. Oh, right. So he has to put new eyeballs in. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting like some sixty-year-old Asian businessman. He gets somebody else's eyes. Right? Um, that's if, if you're talking about that future. Mm-hmm. That's the future. It's going for people to hijack people's bank accounts. Oh, sure. So where you can get a fingerprint and a biometric, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all you need to do is show it to a phone. Right. And now. You just cleared out someone's entire yeah, life. Yeah, well, like we were talking the other day for voting. We're like, hey, we've got biometrics. Well, yeah, that just means I need your thumb. Demolition Man <laughs> did that too. Right? He put it on a pencil. That's right, man. Leslie Snipes with the orange hair and the driverless cars. If we have learned nothing, it is that you can use a thumb and that it takes three shells in the future to go to the bathroom. She got 20 different flowers in her hair. 
Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0+. Plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of Americas. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? You want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing when I think sometimes it's just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company if you pull in an electric car? So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> Welcome to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. Sexy, sophisticated Sean Forbes sitting next to me. And boy, we are rolling along here. And I apologize, folks, if I sound a little bit rushed, but... I'm going to do a little bit of a tease. Patrick Bertinoli is our guest in just a moment, but I see our 2 o'clock coming, and we might go into a little bit of overtime with Patrick Bertinoli. We'll wait and see. But coming up after, Patrick Bertinoli of Watford City Rough Rider Center, a gentleman who's been banned for life on LinkedIn. 
<laughs> You're going to want to stick around for that, folks, because coming up next, after Patrick Bertinelli, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. What's going on in Watford City these days? A lot of companies here from Watford City. Yeah, I Almost tell you more what, than Bismarck. You know, uh, I'm up at the Rough Rider Center, and we're having the best year we've ever had. And I would say that from a community standpoint, we're just all gelling from county to city to tourism to all that stuff. And we're just all uh, just an alliance on different things. And so we're just having a tremendous year, and we're very grateful. Uh, for that, uh, we got uh, the oil companies coming back and utilizing our space for convention space. Uh, a lot of activities, tournaments, basketball tournaments, wrestling, all that stuff. So we're having a blast. What what is the Rough Rider Center? The Rough Rider Center is a big event facility. We have two hockey arenas, a uh, big arena and field house and convention space, uh, aquatics. Uh, we just have uh, tremendous assets there that uh, we just have a lot of fun with. So. I uh, actually have a gymnastics facility in the basement there, too. Those folks have done a fantastic job. They just brought 650 athletes into our community here about a month ago, I believe it was. And uh, so we're bringing people in from around the state and other states as well to uh, host events to keep our kids busy. I've got a unique question for you. You may or may not be qualified to answer this, so okay. I don't know, and I apologize. But when I went to the... Watford City High School yep. and Rough Rider Center for the first time. That was the first time I ever saw a civic center, if you will, an event center connected to a high school. And I thought, that is quite genius in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, I, I see both sides of the spectrum on that, but for the town of Watford City, I thought that was a very good model to what other communities could do. Did you guys find that from someone else are you consulting with other communities with someone else because i haven't seen that before honestly yeah you know i wouldn't be able to answer that because it was obviously built i've been there for probably just almost a year and a half but uh the school is our number one user yeah and uh so it's just a fantastic relationship we've got a coffee shop the kids come in before school go to school come in after school um they may have their basketball practices their all their games all that stuff so it's just a fantastic relationship that uh, we're most certainly grateful for so uh, just great working uh, relationships between us and the school. Sorry, awkward pause. <laughs> awkward pause. This we're, place is so a bees now. We're all getting our cameras I'm, I'm out because there was a photographer, so we got to make sure we get our shots in. Yeah, hey, excuse me, I'm holding hey, my Hey, Daniel Stenberg's got a beard. Look at that. Grizzly Adams here stopping by. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, Daniel Stenberg? Good to see you again. Hey, there we go. All kinds of fun happening yeah. here at the yep. Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. I have a question. I'm listening. Pat, I stalked your uh, LinkedIn profile. Okay. Admired. Admired and stalked <laughs> and noticed that you've worked for oil and gas companies in the yep. past. So what what made you make the transition from oil and gas to, I mean, it's community. We're all, yep. it's all community relations, but. So well, I came out here in 2011. I spent 22 years with UPS and uh, I was not planning to come over here. I came over here with Power Fuels and Nuvera. And uh, anyway, the community got me because they made me feel welcome, special, and important, and sold me, and so I moved my family out there, but spent nine years in oil and gas, and, you know, the city approached me and said, uh, we, we got an opportunity we want you to take a look at, and this is going to sound almost too good to be true. So even when I was with oil and gas, I've always been about uh, making sure that people... Um, want to live there uh, they feel welcome and they're integrated in the community so I've done that from day one even in oil and gas 
but this became an opportunity for me to go to the city of Watford City and actually promote it from a community standpoint. So I am an HR professional by trade. I'm doing nothing different than I did in oil and gas. Uh, I look at Watford City as an organization. How do we knock down the silos? How do we get people better uh, utilizing or working together uh, to include tourism? We just got a tremendous team. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing, and I think that's, you know, a lot of talent uh, in that community, and just with all of us gelling, county, city, all that stuff, we're just achieving some amazing things right now. It's incredible. How long have you been with the Rough Rider Center? The Rough Rider Center since December of 2019, and so um, obviously I come on to the Rough Rider Center, and then we have a pandemic, and mm. uh, that was a little rough. Uh, you know, obviously there wasn't a lot of money, so I actually was reduced during uh, the initial stages of COVID, so I'll be quite honest with you. I was nervous. Am I going to have a job or not? Um, but that entire team up there clawed and scratched, and, uh, you know, we found a way to, you know, be sustainable and keep things moving and and uh, so that that team up there is one of the best teams I've ever worked with it's a very young team I always say that we're very young up there some of us physically and some of us mentally hmm. um, but district tremendous team that is all about service and making sure that people have an amazing experience this is incredible especially for the youngsters that need somewhere to go yeah before school and after school well, and, and I'll tell you this too, This is I'm going to brag about this a little bit, but Jason knows all about my ambassadors. He's got three of my ambassadors on his uh, banner. And I'll tell you, Lydia on the left there joined the National Guard. She was Soldier of the Month for the month of March. Uh, she's a rock star. Emma Mogan is in the middle there. She got a scholarship to play basketball at Minot State. Ellie is uh, next there. She got a scholarship to uh, run cross country at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin. So these kids are all purpose driven. We're just really working well together. But one of the things I was going to say is, obviously, we have Parks and Rec up there at the Rough Rider Center, but we're taking these athletes in to go visit with the elementary kids, and we'll go visit a 1,000 of them in, over a course of two days. And obviously, a huge advocate of mental health, but with these athletes going in there and encouraging these kids to get involved in the various activities, we're hitting a capacity on our soccer program, you know, volleyball, all these different things, because these high school kids are an example, and they're going and sharing that. That, that purpose and that influence with these little kids and they're having a blast. One of the things that I believe united Patrick and I together was his desire to educate the kids. That was a, I think that was our first connection where we really kind of noticed we had a very similar end goal which was to create an education and awareness program, whatever that looked like, yeah. to kids. Yeah. And I, so I drove out to Wadford City. I interviewed those three girls right there. and It was four, though, actually. Yeah, there was four. four. Yep, Taylor. And it was great because that was one of the first times that we got to hear from kids on what it was like growing up in an oil and gas community. We yep. had two of them that were from there, I believe. Yep. One transplant and then one real transplant, like from a different state altogether. Yep. So it was different. It was interesting to hear their similar talks, but also their their differences and things. So, talk to me about that youth program a little bit more and uh, the post COVID. What's going on with that? Because I imagine COVID kind of put a little wrinkle in that. It did slow things down, but um, like these kids, you know, the one thing I'm on the workforce council for the state of North Dakota. I'm serving my third term right now, um, but what. I love most about working with these kids is number one they're purpose driven and these kids bring out the best in the adults just that's just the way it works but you know being on the front line with these kids and just finding out what they want to do for a living you know for so for example Lydia right there 
um, she discovered that she wanted to be a nurse because Wilson State College came in and talked about medical terminology. That's what got her. Uh, Haley, another one of my ambassador, also wanted to be a nurse, and she shared a story about where she was in and out of the hospitals in Grand Forks and Fargo as a little girl, and those nurses made such an impression on her that 12 years later, she wants to be a nurse. So her message to industry was, if you want to draw somebody to your organization, be passionate about what you do and care about those you serve. And then another one uh, wanted to be a social worker and asked her why, and she worked in a daycare and saw a few situations where some kids were placed into foster care, and she just felt that she had uh, the desire to help those kids, so she chose to be a social worker, and she's going to college at NDSU right now, but her message in the industry is, if you want to draw people to your organization, give us the work experience so we can figure out who we are and how we best fit in this world and how we can serve others. So it's got a tremendous story, but we just had a T4 event over in Watford City here a few weeks ago, Tools, Trades, Torque, and Tech. We had close to 900 kids go around. We're uh, educating kids on the trades. We had actually, uh, they were able to weld. Uh, we had electricians there with uh, bucket trucks, uh, linemen, all that type of stuff. And we're really just trying to educate these kids on the the value of the uh, trades and the majority of the jobs in North Dakota you know, are trade related so we're just having fun educating the students on that and then they're also helping us educate the parents because the parents are like my child is going to get a four year degree and that's not as important as it once was it's no, no longer trades applicable trades are so important they so are I'm important. glad you're focusing on needed occupations yeah and it's, and it's fun and these kids uh, I'll tell you that there was a young lady uh, high school probably a sophomore that uh, actually got a weld and the instructor said, look at this weld. And this, this student had no idea, and we were kind of heckling her a little bit, saying, are you sharking us? Have you done this before? And it was her first time, and she was a natural, you know. So that T4 is allowing these kids to, you know, try things and, and see that there might be some natural skill there. So it, it was just a magical event, and uh, we really thank Kent Ellis and Marilyn Kipp uh, from Bismarck and Mandan for bringing that to us and uh, getting all those vendors to come to our facility at the Rough Rider Center and uh, host that event. Second time we've done it. Are you guys still Division One in sports? Class A. Class and, A Division yeah. yeah, and so that's another thing I want to touch yeah, on. Yeah, I, I so want like, to bring that up because yeah. of the growth factor, yeah. Well, yeah, so that's been a tough go for us, but our girls, uh, and I'm going to brag about the basketball players, but um, a lot of these kids are my ambassadors. The majority of them are. And they went to state for the first time in our history at Class A this year, and they were ranked in second sport? in our division, basketball, girls basketball. Okay. So they uh, just uh, obviously we're very proud of the uh, for, to these kids for getting us to that level and being competitive with the Bismarcks and the Legacies and the Jamestowns, all that From stuff. The Fargos, so, yeah. Don't forget about the you know the big dog in the yeah. state. Yeah, these kids uh, are fantastic, and those are the kids, those are the leaders that we're getting in front of our little kids in the elementary school because these little kids want to be them. They want to wear their numbers. When I saw that Wadford City was going Class A, Division One, if you will. That was that was one of the more interesting milestones that I'd seen yet for the growth of Watford City because I I knew they grew, but I didn't know that they grew to the point where they'd be considered one of the big cities, you know. Fargo, Bismarck, Grand Forks, Dickinson, Minot. Williston was even a tweener for a while yeah, there, whether yeah. they were going to go down to Class B or Division II, right? So that was amazing by Watford City. What, what, a, what an incredible story. Well, and I'll share this too, you know, so not only was that a significant move, but, you know, obviously we had to scramble 
And so now we have 800 hotel rooms in our community. We have the big event center. So we hosted the West Region Class A Wrestling Tournament here. Uh, it's been a year ago. And so, and, and we, we in Watford City are very grateful to be able to host those types of events. So we're all at the front, uh, the door, and just welcome those people to our community. But they had a great experience, and we assigned, uh, you know, people to each of the head coaches there just to make sure if they needed anything. So we're very grateful. We're very focused on hospitality. We want these folks to come in and have a great experience because we want them back. But so we've hosted the Class A uh, West Region Wrestling Tournament, which was, was fantastic. And we just got a lot of great things going on in our community that we're very proud of. Can I ask you a difficult question? Yes. What's your favorite restaurant in Watford City? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, it I'm is gonna, a tough one. Um, yeah. I know we, you don't want to hurt anyone, no, anyone's no, feelings, no, but I for someone anybody. like me who's never been to Watford, I would and say if I said, Stone hey, Patrick, Home. I'm going to go to Watford, I would say would Stone Home, great uh, pizza. Um, and I would say the majority of the restaurants are owned by Angie Pelton and Aaron Pelton, um, and obviously the Stangems have a, uh, a piece of that as well. So they're just, and I will say on the Rough Rider Center too, we're working with the hospitality industry and the restaurants because part of our mission at the Rough Rider Center is to make sure our hotels are full and our restaurants are full. So we have just a tremendous relationship with all the people in hospitality and the restaurants. Is this a tourism push? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, tourism is a push. We're actually, we've been doing so well at the Rough Rider Center that we're uh, adding another event planner. And part of that mission is to achieve that, filling our hotels and our restaurants. So that's part of our feed up there financially is restaurants. So we, uh, the restaurants want to be full. The hotels want to be full. We want them full. So what about Watford City should people know about? Um, That's, well, obviously, you know, yeah. What are, what are the good attractions there? Things that. Well, my favorite thing is uh, the north unit of Roosevelt Park. And then uh, we have the CCC uh, campground, which is the trailhead of the Matahe. And uh, Nick Yubara uh, brings the Matahe 100 and just a t- plethora of events into the community. Um, I actually was out camping at the CCC last year when he started the, the Matahe 100. It's a very difficult race that only half the people finish, and it ends in Medora. But uh, just tremendous stuff. But I would say that, and I'll throw this out there to all your listeners, anybody that comes into Watford City, one, I'll give you a tour of the Rough Rider Center, and I'll take you around personally and show you our community because that's how proud I am of it. I love that. <clears throat> well, how can somebody get in touch with you guys? we got our next interview lined up here, so we better uh, wrap this one up. So how can people get in touch with you and the Rough Rider Center and give you some business, my good man? Yeah, it just uh, go to roughridercenter.com, and my name is Pat. Uh, um, we'd love to see you and uh, certainly welcome you to our community. Patrick Bertinoli with the Rough Rider Center. That's right. Sean, any final thoughts here? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for your service. Oh, I appreciate that. Within the community and fostering children and their careers and giving them an outlet. I I didn't have that as a a kid, and this is something that I I highly value for for others. So thank you for the work that you guys do. Well, I appreciate that, and I will just say that when you, and again, from an HR perspective, if you're going to recruit people to your organization, you have to have that type of culture that draws people, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Well, feel free to lean on us, sir. Hopefully we can be a nice voice for you to get the message out to the masses. We'll try our best. Appreciate your guys' support, and I also appreciate what you guys do for oil and gas and the western part of our state. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have 
running water here. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's our now here in London again. I mean, I don't. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district. But I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County. But uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of a oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those uh, those materials, and so we can't get the product to. Uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage. Uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the garage went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generators, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Uh, my name is Jason Spies, and Ben Holiday, right? Yes, that's right. That's how you pronounce it? Yes. Holiday Law Firm? Well done. Yes, sir. Going off of memory, I was going to write it down, but then I forgot to, <laughs> and I didn't even grab a card, so I apologize on that, so I'm actually sure I get a business card before we go. Now, uh... Talk to me about what you got going on. Holiday Law Firm, right? Uh, yeah, Energy Law Group. Energy, Energy Law Group. Group. Okay. Uh, first of all, company, give it a plug. We're near the end of the first day, okay. so my questions are going to be kind of uh, half questions and half of uh, <laughs> just losing it. Yeah, some musings. Yeah, I know. You've yeah. been talking to a lot of people. Yeah, and it's end of, end of convention day. Uh, yeah, so we, we do a lot of oil and gas regulatory, a lot of title work. 
Uh, I'm up here in Bismarck. I gave a talk on natural gas flaring to the uh, Landman Association of North Dakota last night. Just happened to be here during the Wilson Basin Convention, so I stayed in town to check it out. And oh, so you weren't even here for this? No, it was, yeah, it was kind of a bonus. Oh, Actually, I thought I you were speaking here. No, yeah, I'm working my way up to that. Right. So, uh, organizers next year, I'm available. <laughs> All right, there you go. And what did you speak on? Uh, so we took the comparison. So I'm in Texas. All our practice spans North Dakota, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, and in some of the Appalachian states. But flaring in particular is becoming a big issue in Texas. I mean, we we're way behind the curve on regulating it on. You know, we're doing a good job, I think, managing it from an industry perspective, but we could do well to look to North Dakota, places where you guys have gotten out in front of this issue and formed pro-industry workable solutions instead of like in New Mexico where they just had some very non-pro-industry solutions imposed on them, right? And so um, just stop talking with the, the landman here and saying, basically, hey, you guys have done a great job and I wish we could all copy what you've done. So. Okay. Um, did you get a lot of feedback? Uh, good, bad questions, I guess? I think a lot of people are surprised uh, how in front of the curve North Dakota is. I mean, we were talking with uh, Brady from over at the Petroleum Council last night and uh, <clears throat> Reese, who's uh, doing some mineral buying here, and we looked at, the, just on a, on a comparison basis, if you say, well, North Dakota is one of the most responsible producers in the country, and if the United States is probably one of the more tightly controlled oil producing countries in the world that really puts North Dakota at the forefront globally mm -hmm. from a you know ESG perspective and that was like before ESG was cool right you know now it's the big rage and everybody's looking to it so um, really my talk to them was more good job here's how the rest of the world's trying to catch up to you what's interesting about North Dakota is they were going the ESG path and then all of a sudden in the last legislative session, they introduced a bill to divest themselves from anybody doing any ESG stuff. Really? And it passed. Well, then it got vetoed because the, the, somebody went and talked to the governor and said, you can't do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> ch check out what's going to get impacted. Mm -hmm. So then they tabled it, and now they're doing a study to study ESG, and which is comical about that whole thing is what you just said is true. They were going down that path. Mm -hmm. They were the leader. And they didn't even know it. Right. That's what was so funny about it. And that um, Ashley McNamee, she's a former executive from Whiting. She's now with uh, Wilson Alvarez, and she's doing their ESG. Her and I would just talk about how the industry was going that direction. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people were going that direction. If they would just figure out, all it takes is just a little transparency. Yeah. That's really all it takes is because Meridian Energy, Meridian Energy Group, sorry, Meridian Energy Group out of... Uh, uh, Belfield, North Dakota, they're building the Davis Refinery, okay? They're also building the Walton Refinery in Winkler, Texas. Kermit. Kermit's the city? Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah the names are right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Winkler County, Walton Refinery, Kermit is the city. Okay, yeah. I get them. They're all a Muppet in some way. Right, so exactly. I get a, They're all a TV show or a Muppet <laughs> yeah. from the 80s, so I get them mixed up there. But, okay, so Meridian Energy Group has just been leading the path on ESG and the whole environmental movement to the tune to where the minute they turn the power on, they're the cleanest refinery in the world. Mm -hmm. When I interviewed Zia Engineering about some of the, we'll call it ESG now, but 
He was just talking about the bends of pipes, something as simple as that, how getting rid of certain bends and putting certain bends, they re- they reduce their emissions by 20% or something just ridiculous like that. I just find that to be really cool. And I think that if states like North Dakota or Texas or other states got on board with the transparency side side and started telling that story, yeah. I think that's all they need to do. I agree. I mean, I mean, you, you need to tell the story to prevent what I'm, what I'm concerned about is and this is part of my talk, is that I, I put a picture of a big flare stack up, right? So if you see that and you, and you don't understand the industry, it becomes like this emotional, guttural response to it. And it doesn't have, we don't need to let the issue get there. We need to do things, the low-hanging fruit, like bending pipes differently. And uh, you know, some of the carbon capture, like Mark that was just here with uh, EcoVapor, um, it's really low-hanging fruit. It doesn't cost a lot of money, and it's good for the environment. It's good for industry, right? It allows us to keep doing what we're doing, and, and as opposed to getting you know shut down. And I just I would like to see more states again take the North Dakota model. And I mean, you're the leaders. Yeah. Why give up that leadership position? You know? I look at it. There's there's really three or four levels to this whole thing. The first one is is that it's the big picture level. It's the bending of pipes at refineries. Mm-hmm. It's the the new engine that is. 20% less combustion, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing, or, or, you know, exhaust. Whatever California did for 20 years, you know, with the with the combustible <laughs> exhaust engine, yeah. they did a great job. California led the way reducing emissions and in, in, um, uh, engines because we would have never seen the mountains otherwise. Mm-hmm. The smog was so bad. You couldn't even see the mountains. Mm-hmm. It was so bad, okay? So when I take mm-hmm. a look at a lot of these just innovations that have been done, there's that level that needs to be implemented into the marketplace. And that one is really almost too complicated for most people. It's too much for most people. So you go to the next level, which is the trees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the, the, the what was the, uh, uh, the flaring? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, the flaring is serious, but actually it's because people can see it. Yeah, that's why they're the, concerned about it. That's why they're concerned about it. Same thing with the trees. Well, plant some trees. Well, that actually is going to make people feel better because they're offsetting does it help? I don't know. Maybe, mm-hmm. but not compared to what a bending of the pipe can do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was a step in the right direction. And he said it's, like, it's a less well, intensive there's, from a capital perspective. There's also. some that are actually going to make a big difference right away. And there's other ones that are a little bit more symbolic. Mm-hmm. They make a difference, but it's, it's meatless Monday in the cafeteria. That's great, but really... Is it making that big right, of a are difference? Are you moving the needle, right? Yeah, that type of... Well, you are moving it, but how much, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I think sometimes we're paying a little bit too much focus on the symbolic ones and not some of the bigger ones, you know? Like well, like what you were talking about last night and what North Dakota's leading the way mm-hmm. on, what, uh, you know, the Meridian Energy Group and Z is. That's what is going to make the needle move more than anything. Mm-hmm. So that's in my opinion, but... And, I, you know, you mentioned California. It's like... One of the things we talked about last night was that the World Bank just came out with this statistic called the uh, Global Flaring Import. I can't remember the exact name of it, but essentially what they're doing is the same. Okay, we talk a lot about the people producing uh, uh, emissions-heavy you know, industry, oil and gas. What we don't talk a lot about is what about the people that aren't producing hydrocarbons that are consuming a lot of hydrocarbons? Well, we need to highlight their risk exposure to this and their contribution to the problem. I mean, if you have seen Narcos, it's one of my favorite shows, right? And they talk a lot about, 
you know, there's the problems in Colombia, there's the problems in Mexico, but they're really linked to this consumption problem in the United States. And they they talk about how. Wow, I told is you, that what that's about? I mean, it's a big. It runs a big thread to it. That's of, fabulous. Of saying, well, you can solve the problem in Mexico, uh, but unless you solve the problem of consumption, yeah. you're never going to stamp out the drug trade. Just right? even that they would identify that as the root, right? Is amazing. Cost. Yeah. And okay. so what the what the World Bank's doing is sort of taking that same. I mean, I don't think they took it from narco's, but they've said if you're California and you've banned oil and gas extraction, great. Where are you getting your oil from? Oh, guess what? You're getting it from Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, and guess what they're doing? They're you know horrible uh, yeah. emissions uh, operators and actors. And so it's not enough to say I'm not using it. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not producing it. You're contributing to that to that issue if you're pulling in hydrocarbons from those areas. So what they should be doing is saying, we need to produce it in California. We need to be pulling it from the Bakken versus pulling it from overseas. And now that there's a statistical measure that can be assigned to places like in either an entire nation or a place like California, they're no longer going to be able to just hide and say, well, we've banned uh, hydraulic fracturing in our state and we've banned flaring and therefore, you know, we have this, I don't know what you call it, morally superior position when in fact, no, you're like in narcos, you're, you're part of the consumption problem. You're, you, you have skin in the game still, mm -hmm. right? So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But I'm, I, I'm interested to hear about this forest that you're going to plant. Yeah. In, uh, in, uh, so the industrial in forest. Midland and in Odessa. That's a tough place to plant trees. So the way we're tackling that, the industrial forest, we're going to have three the first year. First one in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. Second one in Texas and the third in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the one in Colorado, or the one in Texas, we're going to, we've identified a couple places between Midland and Odessa. Which is the desert. Yeah. Okay. I'll say. And we have three companies, three service companies that believe recycled frack water will be able to water these trees. Mm -hmm. If we can pull that off. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. That would be amazing a, yeah. because right. now, these, once a week, these companies can drop off the recycled frack water and just, and, and we're going to call it a shade park. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have the only shade park in the desert. Yeah, I was going to say, you're right, it's going to be the only <laughs> clump of trees in that part of the world. <laughs> I have no idea how the locals are going to, well, because keep in mind, like today, I, I um, interviewed uh, Mr. Wiles, the uh, city of Bismarck's forestry person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, there's issues like weeping willow trees take a lot of nutrients out of the soil, mm -hmm. so farmers don't and like water. them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we're going to introduce trees, we got to talk to the locals, experts, to find out what's native and all this other stuff, right? Probably not too much native in the desert. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what kind of tree you would. A bunch even... of sage bush, Joshua trees. I don't know. I mm -hmm. mean, but I'm sure something. There was this uh, famous story about they were uh, big growers of honeydew cantaloupe melons mm -hmm. and they did have a lot of trees like apparently there's this underbelly story of texas where when the next generation came in they didn't live in texas anymore so they mm -hmm. didn't water the trees mm -hmm. and hundreds of trees died in the permian interesting because the the kin uh -huh. if you will the the inheritors well they live in other states yeah. and so they just have it for whatever reason. It sounds like everybody that owns something of value in the Permian well, Basin. In North Dakota, that happens where a lot of the mineral owners live outside of state. Right. It's the know? same. Yeah. I would say there's a, a, a large contingent in Midland as well. People what was completely my divorced from their assets. My favorite story was where the guy sent out, he had so many mineral owners on this mineral 
they actually sent out a letter that said there will be no minerals this year because the stamp costs more than what you would get. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, like believe it. you, you, you were going to get twenty cents yeah. after yeah. <laughs> the four hundred of you family members right. split this <laughs> one acre of minerals. You, you know, better come to an agreement. I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's like, "P.S. Would you like to sell now?" Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I'm, making, I'm making offers. I'm making offers. Well, I think it's really interesting that you're talking about using the recycled frac water. I think that would be, you know, when it works, that'll be a good demonstration uh, of the ability to do it. Like, I don't know anybody is making that. Um, I don't know anybody that's done a publicly demonstrable use of frack water. No, it would be national you know? news if right. they did. That's why I'm, I keep saying, okay, that's why we have three companies. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if the first two can do it. Right. I have absolutely no idea if this can happen. But when I bring it up to any engineer or... Um, chemist they all look at me and say they say oh yeah that can happen yeah they all think it can i think i, I think can. i mean i'm not i'm far from an engineer but i know we're recycling mud and you have mud farms and things like that so i don't know why it wouldn't make sense so you're down in the permian so that yeah so i'm i'm, uh, in, I'm in san antonio oh yeah san antonio a lot sorry. Of time out that's there. texas yeah so you're down in texas yeah are you in colorado so uh, I represent a lot of clients that are in Denver, yeah. and so I, I travel up there. Where are you? Where are you doing business in? What states and shale plays? I mean, most of our work Oil right plays. now is Permian. Okay, that's um, what I figured. Uh, both in, and it bleeds over into New Mexico. So <laughs> I would say ninety percent of our work's in New Mexico, uh, Texas, and a little bit in Eagleford. But I mean, that's that's just where the action is. I was told by somebody a lot smarter than me that I trust a number of years ago. Back when they were talking about the 30-year Bakken play, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, the Bakken's going to be booming for 30 years, <laughs> everybody on retirement. board. Yeah. <laughs> so when that was going on, uh, somebody said, Jason, the reality is 70% of the oil extraction out of the next 30 years is going to come out of the Permian. Uh-huh. Not Texas, but the Permian. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of New Mexico in there. Uh, I don't think it goes up into Oklahoma, does it? No, no, it's no, just it's in a, that just western a, corner. A little bit of the uh, eastern side of uh, uh, New Mexico, and then, of course, the right. western side. So I've always remember, I've, I've, I filed that away. Mm-hmm. And as I see the last five years play out, boy, I'm really seeing that. Yep. I'm really seeing that. Even, even if the Biden stuff doesn't happen or it does happen, mm-hmm. it almost seems like the majority is going to happen unless there's some new big discovery. Well, you know, it's interesting because I just sat through a a good talk here uh, where they said, well, the core of the uh, the Bakken, you have only uh, 11,000 locations left or whatever. I heard that same, and again, I'm not a geologist. I don't know about all the subsurface structures, but when I was early in my career, I was looking at jobs out in the Permian Basin and I had half the old timers at the time saying, look, Permian Basin's dead. You know, it's it's been drilled out. You know, the same story I just heard up there. And I had another few uh, old timers, you know, good mentors that said, look, people have been saying that forever. They've been writing the obituary of the Permian and they do it every 20 years and it comes back. And so and you're seeing that in the Permian right now. They're getting technological advances allow us to get to these deeper formations. And I just wonder about that with North Dakota too, where they say, Oh, well, it's drilled out. Okay. No, North Dakota right. is going to be around for 20, 30 years. Right. I think you're okay. going to see the same thing as the Permian. The, the difference is, though, that um, North Dakota is probably going to have half a dozen operators, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, maybe three. I've heard some people speculate three. Because you're going to consolidate. Wow. 
Well, I mean, look what just happened last week. Yeah. You know, Continental goes and, and buys out, um, what's, what's his uh, company out of Colorado? Yeah, and then Samson. Yeah. Samson. And then QEP gets bought out by Oasis. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's just the start of this summer. This summer is going to be either a bloodbath or a merger session. Mm-hmm. There's going to be all kind. Of, well, because now people got money. Right. Last year, nobody had money sure. except those people with money. Mm-hmm. Now, this year, they got government money. Mm-hmm. So now... And good price. Yeah. And now lumber's going up. Stainless steel's going up. All the goods and services are going up. So people are going to have to figure out how to raise new revenue. Selling assets is going to be one of those reasons. I, I, the, here's the thing with the Bakken. When $100 oil came... They were able to prove and cap all the reserves, okay? And we've got laws in North Dakota, and one of the laws are you have to prove there's oil there. Now, 40, 50 years ago, actually back in the 1950s, we had a, a governor that passed a law or was behind the law, the North Dakota body, that you have to record all of your core samples mm-hmm. at a library at the University of North Dakota. Isn't that amazing? So the Laird Library, it's called. Because of that library, every oil company knows where every single drop mm-hmm. of oil is in the state. And because $100 oil, they were able to go and punch a hole, show their proof to the state, and then cap it. And now it's just sitting there. And they got 20 to 25 years to go back and drill it. Interesting. So that means it is a 100% price play now. Mm-hmm. Now it's... Oh, when it hits 70 bucks, we can go up to Fort Tuna. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can go over to Tioga now at 60 bucks. Watford, 40 bucks. Yeah, subsurface mining. Right? There's, there's enough for the core, but that's it. Where the Bakken got slapped or where they got probably some bad PR, somebody forgot to carry the one. And uh, the, uh, um, what is that called? When they, the decrease, the decline, decline curve. The decline curve was a lot faster than they mm-hmm. thought. I got so many different things going in yeah, my head, no and it's the end of the day here, so I apologize. <laughs> was that, you know, the, the, the refracts and yeah. the decline curve wasn't what they thought it was going to be, and that has not been talked about much. Mm. In fact, I'll, I'll probably get a nasty email from Gotta somebody say, just we, talking about it. Maybe we cut out that last little part. No? Oh, no. We'll, <laughs> no, but it's we'll part amplify of the true story. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I got so many people that come up to me, and they thank me for talking about things no one's talking right. about. Because it needs to get the conversation. We're the only ones talking about the climate tax. Yeah. Everybody's afraid to ask. Mike Summers is going to be here. I'm going to ask him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him about it. Well, you need to know. I mean, if it's if it's going to be imposed on us, either through its carbon tax or whatever, right? I mean, Do you know what I want to know? Okay. What? Is API so big that people are afraid of him? I'm serious. And, and I'm, ser- I'm ser- totally serious. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, okay, you're from Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine there's a petroleum council in Texas or an alliance. We have several, yeah. Yeah. I don't know any of them that have come out with a statement for or against mm-hmm. the climate tax that the API, the largest lobbyist group that only gets the ear of all the big publications, okay? I don't understand why Texas, that's your state, and I'll use mine, North Dakota mm-hmm. Petroleum Council, Texas Energy yeah. Petroleum Alliance, whatever. Oklahoma Petroleum Alliance, mm-hmm. there we go. Colorado, there, name any state. How their director, who gets paid a handsome salary, how their executive vice president, or I'm sorry, their executive director, their president, their CEO has not come out with a statement that says, we disagree for these reasons, we agree for these reasons, mm-hmm. or we've been fighting this for 10 years, there's been a shift. We need to take some time and uh, evaluate 
we'll come back with a comment in two months. Mm -hmm. Or, do you know what I mean? Something to at least kick the can. You know, the fact that the, yeah. it's been silence, it worries me. That usually means there's fear. I think that from a Texas perspective, we just had we just got out of session. So we do a legislative session every two years. Did that the, conclude the, like this the, week? It concluded recently. I don't Probably think they've Friday gone into a special, uh, what they call special session. And uh, in Texas, the, there's several, but the big ones, it's called Texoga, Texas Oil and Gas Association. That's the one. And... Um, I know they were heavily involved in some right-of-way legislation and things like that. I would suspect, and I don't know, but I would suspect that they are cleaning up from session, trying to get over it, and they will address it then. And I would be very surprised if they come out in support of it. I mean, API did, but API is really, I'm starting to wade a little bit into things that are beyond my scope. API is controlled by, or the big funders are a lot of, non-North American companies, They're European right? companies. They're European companies, uh, and that's uh, what they... You see DEPA right there? Mm -hmm. Well, DEPA came out against it. So right. we, us and DEPA were the only two that I know of, and Jerry Simmons, uh, the CEO, <laughs> said API is going to be EPI, yeah, there you European go. Petroleum. Yeah. And so I think Texoga and these others are going to have a different uh, client base, a different slant on it. And so when they do come out, I would be surprised if there's any alignment with API. I'll go a step year. further. So we interviewed Mike Renfrow, who's with Blue Boat Sub-C. <laughs> Got to be careful. That's a mouthful, yeah. Right, because you say <laughs> sub and you think subsidy. Yeah, yeah. So right. Blue Boat Sub-C. And he's done oil and gas for 29 years. Did a lot of pipe wide, uh, pipeline, underwater pipeline. Most of his stuff was offshore, mm -hmm. 29 years. Well, COVID hits. They didn't change their business at all except added wind energy projects to the bid. Mm -hmm. So they still bid all the oil and gas projects. They added the wind after six months of not getting any oil and gas work. Mm -hmm. One year after COVID, 80% of their business is wind. Interesting. 20% is oil and gas, and it's decommissioning pipelines in the ocean. Really? So what he said to me, he said, Jason, this problem is much bigger than just my 80%, 20% swing. He goes, every company that we're working for now out in the East Coast Ocean, offshore, mm -hmm. only one is a American company. Mm -hmm. I think it's Dominion. Interesting. Every other one is a European company. Yep. He goes, so if we're shifting our monetary policy and we're shifting our energy policy, he didn't say this, but this is what I heard. Mm -hmm. We're shifting our energy policy Boy, Europe is really on the forefront. Yeah, Europe's got the driver's seat, and it just kind of happened. Yeah. It just happened. So I don't know how to process that. I know it's a big one. You know, somebody you should talk to that's really tuned up, and I'm sure would love to come on. A guy named Tom, and it's either Standridge or Sandridge. I can't remember. I can, I can follow up and get you his information. He's out of Denver. It. He's okay. a professor uh, there in Denver, and he's studied the he studied this whole movement, the shift in energy policy, and uh, I went to Denver a few weeks ago and sat through like a two hour briefing he gave on, on this same issue of the shift in towards renewables and uh, what that looks like. I mean, we're really, we're heading into sort of no man's land. Like nobody knows what that means. Nobody knows what does this radical shift towards energy. I, like, I think somebody does. Right. Well, and, the reason, and I, I'm not trying to put my tinfoil hat on and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy. It was actually Sterling, my morning show co-host, who's never worked a day in oil and gas. I mm -hmm. love that outside perspective. 
He's never worked a day in oil and gas, but he grew up in Dahran, Saudi Arabia. He grew up on an oil base, so he knows more about oil and gas than anybody who's worked in oil and gas. Oh, when he was in elementary school, they had duck and cover drills because the refinery was going to get bombed by the Iranians, okay? Did you go to school in America? Yeah. Did you have fire drills? Yeah. Did yes. you have tornado drills? Yes. Okay. We did too. We had yeah. we even had nuclear drills. Okay. We didn't have so that. So <laughs> I had I had nuclear drills. We had to go to some dirt basement with a boiler in my Catholic church. Yeah. Right? And then we had um, fire drills. And then we had tornado drills, which is my favorite. You put your head under a desk, and apparently that's going to yeah. save you yeah. from a tornado. Whole <laughs> different pod, it, yeah. Whole different podcast for a different yeah. day. But I, call, uh, I called Sterling right after, oh, was it about a month or two ago? About a month and a half ago. He sent me this uh, text because that refinery got bombed. Yeah, it happened. It, yeah, it was right yeah. recently. And I said, you know, I went to 18 years or whatever, you know, of school. I can't tell you how many fire drills I had, mm-hmm. how many tornado drills. My school didn't burn down. You actually did get bombed yeah. by. I mean, like, that actually happened yeah. at your school. Yeah. Like, I, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Like anybody I knows, I don't even know anybody's school burned down yeah. while kids were there, mm-hmm. or a tornado that ripped out while kids were there. The refinery got bombed while yeah. people were at school. So it's just. <laughs> and so I, I think of that, you know, that Sterling brings in a whole different perspective, mm-hmm. and I did forget where I was going with that. What story, does he so. think about this shift towards renewables? Thank you. Yeah, no, I know. I, I kind of want to talk more about this uh, Saudi experience, but well, he he brings such great stories yeah. in, you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, no, his his perspective is very interesting because what he sees happening is that he sees that um, a lot of the European companies are coming in. Mm-hmm. He also sees that they're pushing us to public transportation through the EV vehicles. Mm-hmm. Just the cost is not affordable for anybody, and pretty soon gas is going to be eight bucks. Yeah, we can hope. And if people only need to go to work or the market once a week, mm-hmm. well, he's the one who brought that in. So, oh, the European and uh, the tinfoil hat and all these other things. I didn't want to get too much of the tinfoil hat going because some of these conversations, when you start implying things based on what the actions have been, people automatically tinfoil hat you. Right. And all you're trying to do is say, no, I think we need to have a serious talk here yeah. because things have changed way too much out of my my, 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 well, I'll give you an example here. Okay. When I was growing up, got in the media, it was taboo to take a picture with somebody you just interviewed. Really? There is no way you would lower yourself and be some rube <laughs> and take a picture with Harold Ham. Right. Absolutely no reason. I would love to take a picture of Harold Ham. Why would you not? Now you <laughs> yeah, do. Right, yeah. Now it's like people want to do that more than the interview. Right, yeah. And so it was different because, like, um, well, people are like selfies were not a thing. Why do you think that? Do you think that's because that would imply you're too close to your subject to your interview, or what do you mean? What, what? I think it had to do a lot with um, act like you've done it before. Oh, okay. You know, spi- spiking in the end zone, the yeah. touchdown celebration. You know, okay. my favorite guy is the one who just hands it to the ref. Yeah. Yeah, I've scored before. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Instead of, ooh, look at me, Grandma. Yeah. I scored, you know, and <laughs> a lot of that was journalists looked down upon that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, yeah. and so um, anyway, now it's just different. And so there's a lot of that shift that has happened where 
people are not used to doing certain things. You know, oil companies are not used to being transparent. Mm -hmm. Oil companies, they're not used to reacting, mm -hmm. and they have been, and yeah. now they are. Yeah. And the forest is a way for them to control the narrative because some 16-, 18-year-old girl named Greta Thunberg has been kicking their butt. Right. That's what I mean. That's yes, and that's in my talks about the flaring issue. I'm gonna start talking about the forest. Uh, that's a good, perfect visual example of going on the offense. And offense doesn't mean it just means putting out your side and not waiting until a Greta Thunberg comes out and then having to refute all the really strong emotional pleas that she makes because then you just look like a bad guy, right? Whereas if you're getting out in front of things and and educating the public on I don't know, facts and reality, right? Like associated with the flaring issue or, or how much carbon goes into making a windmill or, okay, we're all going to drive electric vehicles. What does that look like for our grid? Are we going to put windmills and solar panels on every square inch of the earth? I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem so attractive anymore, right? But uh, the shift is happening so quickly from my perspective that I don't think we're, we're not thinking about those second and third order effects of it, right? Um, I'm sure, yeah, you're seeing the same thing in your in the, in the journalism industry as well, the, sh the radical shifts that... Oh, I, I, I went through this already. Oh, See, yeah, I already went through this. Oh, okay. Um, the, I, I watched the farmers get replaced by the grocery store. Okay, mm -hmm. I grew up in ag. Okay. okay. So I, I saw and listened to the farmers complain how people the kids don't understand where the hamburger comes from yeah okay <laughs> it sounds like the oil industry right and now the oil industry right. is saying the same thing in fact i believe i'm the one who coined this which mm -hmm. is that most people think that the energy comes from the light switch yes yeah so my phrase has been in the same way <laughs> that the grocery store replaced the farmer yeah. the light switch has replaced the oil and gas yeah. worker and the coal worker too mm -hmm. okay and that's a serious thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that body of work is done. When mm -hmm. I got into this industry 10 years ago, the only thing that people talked about was plastic bags, plastic yeah. straws, and an occasional bitch about gas prices. Now you got the president of the United States trying to ban the industry. Right, yeah. That's a 10-year shift, okay? That is a body of work that's been done. Now, getting back to what we were talking about before, okay, there is a pretty big body of work with the trees, so a way that you can connect to bring industry into it is say, listen, we've spent 20 years allowing cities to have full reign to plant trees. Mm -hmm. Environmental groups and nonprofits have had full reign, millions of dollars, okay? A nonprofit will get a million dollars to go plant 100 trees, Man. okay? Over 50% of them have died in the first year. This is a problem. Industry is going to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to the wheel and fire, industry has been solving problems mm -hmm. since then. How do we get to the place quicker to get our food? Well, let's make a wheel. And yep. they did. That's industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fire is natural, but it's industry that created fire mm -hmm. once they figured out lightning doesn't strike every yeah, exactly. night. Exactly. How to monetize it. Well, outside of lightning, they didn't have any way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. I imagine some communities had an eternal flame going because they didn't know how to start fire. <laughs> I mean, totally serious. Yeah, right? Probably 20 years, somebody's job was to yeah. just guard that flame, <laughs> get a new stick ready and right. get it going, you know? Imagine how important fire was back, mm -hmm. you know, in the dark ages or whatever. So... See how I, I get going on yeah. uh, really long on well, these in Texas, long. we just saw how important fire was a few weeks ago when we lost all our power, right? Without I mean, yeah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So 
what this does is this says, okay, industry can build a sustainability shed, which has got water and levels and automatics in it. Yeah, what is a sustainability shed? So a sustainability shed is a shed basically that has got a water receptacle container, a a vat. Mm -hmm. Either a well or a cistern is going to fill that water. And a basic plunger system from a toilet, a dumbwaiter, mm-hmm. is going to be able to determine when we need to refill up this 80,000-gallon thing of water or whatever the thing is. From, and we have, in the northern parts, you might have to have some insulation and a few things or whatever. Probably not because there's so much water. But either way, the sustainability sheds are going to change depending on the, you know, the, the geography. Yeah. From the sustainability sheds, you have a pipeline network set up, a critical pipeline system to where the water then gets drip line systemed out to the trees. The problem with the planting of the trees, you have to water them every day for three years and then once a week for two years after that. There ain't any nonprofits doing that. Yeah. There ain't any any follow-up. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody's getting their Instagram photo and yeah, moving on, right. baby. Yeah. Give me another million bucks. Yeah. So we're going to solve that problem. We're going to use industry to do it industry can build a forest i really believe they can and it'll be very easy to do and we're going to show the world how to do this i read a book on yellowstone by alton chase and he documents the awful atrocities we've done to yellowstone from pumping out raw sewage to almost decimating the coyotes and the wolves and the elk and oh man it's just so when i saw that i went we have not been able to figure this out since the native americans Mm -hmm. the native americans were the last true true warriors of the land Mm -hmm. they would aggressively defend the land like controlled burns right they understood you needed to do a controlled burn if you did not do a controlled burn you're going to get death and decay right Keep piling up. Keep piling up. Well, eventually, no animals are going to go there anymore. Mm-hmm. There's nothing living, nothing to eat. Then the lightning is going to strike. Yep, it's going to burn and it all. because there's so much death and decay and just nonsense there or whatever, it, it gets so hot, it sterilizes the ground. So now you got to wait for a bird to poop on it, wind to blow a seed. you got to wait for... A really long nature to take its course mm-hmm. on that. And that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about what the Native Americans had. When we came to America, that's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is We weren't used to that type of uh, nature, if you will. So, um, very long-winded way. I, I, as you can see, I'm very passionate about this. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I think <laughs> the same thing. Australia is realizing the same thing with their they're, Aboriginal they're land management. Too. I think the people came in and said, well, <laughs> let me show you what we can do. And then proceeded to discard, you know, a thousand years of knowledge, and uh, it did. Yes, yeah, it's not ending well for those the, management uh, practices. Gentlemen, we were talking to Jerry uh-huh. before oh, we, yeah, Jerry, uh, yeah, Jerry um, uh, age range seventy. Mm-hmm. Okay, would you say? Yeah, is that fair? Okay, maybe, yes. maybe older. <laughs> Uh, he was talking about how he was laughing because this carbon capture is just yeah. what they did 200 years ago and 100 years ago. Yeah. And he, yeah. I just laughing it's too. It's coming back. It's cool now. It's cool again. I know. It's like vintage. I was telling yeah. people that. Maybe that's how we should sell it. So, some of this basic uh, engineering, nature's engineering, is now known as the new ESG yeah. movement. I love it, man. Because I'm, anyways. But well, how can people get in touch with you? What is the main thing you want people to walk away from? Because I did a lot of talking on yeah, this. Yeah, no, so I hey, apologize. that was fun. This is all over place uh i think the main thing i want people to take away from this is just 
let's be proactive, whether it's planting the trees, um, whether it's ESG, whether it's flaring, which is my little niche, you know, whatever it is, let's, 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 whatever industry we're in, let's be proactive and come up with our own solutions, like planting the trees or like doing the flare or a buddy of mine that's working on soil carbon capture so that we can solve the problem instead of having an unworkable solution foisted on us by people that don't have our best interest. You know, whatever your best interest in, in the industry would be, let's solve for that problem versus letting someone come in that, that doesn't really know what they're doing and doesn't really care about your outcomes. Yeah. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at the the crude life play hard work hard is sponsored in part by great american mining monetizes wasted stranded and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for bitcoin mining Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, GAM. Dot AI. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spees. My name is Jason Spees and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy Environmental Research Center, commonly known as the acronym EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota at the University of North Dakota with Crude Life content correspondent, Jenica Hauser. 
I'm the CEO at the Energy and Environmental Research Center, and we're a non-teaching branch of the University of North Dakota, focused on solving those challenges that our industry is facing. And really, we're seeing a lot of challenges today. I presented earlier in the week about the headwinds for the Bakken, things like ESG challenges, uh, lack of investment, um, and a whole lot of reduction in carbon. So that seems like an insurmountable challenge, but when we think about the Bakken, uh, we actually have this incredible asset where we can put carbon dioxide to work, for example, and that's been a big push and a big topic of discussion at this meeting this week. Specifically, there's been a lot of noise created around Governor Burgum's presentation stating that he would like North Dakota to be carbon neutral by 2030. Uh, that, that seems like it would be a big statement. I mean, how close do you think we are to that goal now? Well, we've been working on uh, reducing carbon for about uh, two decades at the EERC. Everything from understanding where we could uh, store CO2 to all of our point sources of carbon dioxide. Uh, We've taken that into the laboratory. We've taken pilot tests out into the field, and we've actually done commercial demonstrations. At this point in North Dakota, we're looking at a number of different uh, carbon capture and utilization projects and storage projects that are going to help reach the governor's uh, bold goal of uh, carbon neutrality by 2030. Project Tundra is a big one. So that's a carbon capture project at uh, Minn Kota's Milton R. Young Power Station where they'll capture 4 million tons per year of carbon dioxide off of that power plant to put electrons onto the grid that have uh, no carbon uh, or low carbon uh, at the same time storing that carbon dioxide in the subsurface. Red Trail Energy is another one. It's a biofuels plant. It's making ethanol. Uh, and they're going to capture all of their carbon dioxide from the fermentation process, about 200,000 tons per year, again, storing that in the subsurface. And that was Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy and Environmental Research Center, EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota, along with the Crude Life content correspondent, Jenica Hauser. For more industry news, exclusive interviews, and energy innovations, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the Industrial Forest does. Check out theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.
Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.